Hey, it's Kristen. You're listening to Rational in Portland. Thanks for joining us on Rational in Portland. I have a really special treat for you all. I told you I would bring Don Courtney back when he came back from India. And guess what? He's back. Now he's not back permanently. Don't get too excited. He's not going to be the lawyer for the Lentz neighborhood uh, probably ever again, unfortunately, for them and for us. Because we need people like Don to speak common sense for our neighborhoods, especially the ones that are neglected. But Don was just telling me that uh, not only has he been in India for a while, he's been throughout Asia, and he's been talking about the similarities and differences. And right now, we were just sort of talking about how um, teenagers and frankly, just really anybody who wants to get a job in the city of Portland can do so at a relatively high hourly rate because people in Portland, like restaurants and the service industry, need people. And um, Don said that actually the people who are not interested in taking those jobs and just want to work sporadically or live in a house share, that that is sort of a carryover of the 90s. So tell us, Don, tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, I go through a lot of, like, back and forth in my own mind about many things, but one of them is um, sort of, like, is the mm, issues that I have with how Portland has changed, um, well, A, related to just me getting older, but no, there's enough press that this place has gotten worse, and it really has. Uh, So is that related to newcomers or... Did they, is it? Can I blame them for everything, for coming in here and living inside of 39th and all voting in a block for, like, the craziest people that, you know, are on the ticket? Or is there something else where I can also blame people who are from here? And I, and I think, you know, blaming is so fun, but uh, it, I, can, I, there, I can trace things to, like, even my own background, which is like Clackamas County, you know, from the 90s. And they, I was, they actually made a TV show on Netflix that didn't last that long, but it was about about kids in, high school kids in boring Oregon in the 90s. And there's a lot of, to be said for the, like, suburban Portland kids being um, very culturally powerful in a way. I mean, there was like, a lot of cool bands and stuff like the Dandy Warhols. The guy was from Beaverton, which I just love that band. Okay, um, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Uh, and then, you know, there was just there's a lot that you know, Dark Horse Comics is from Milwaukee, and there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of really Portlandy people in Milwaukee when I was in high school. I just didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what to call that. I didn't know what a hipster was, and I didn't really know. Too much, really, being in high school. But yeah, there was a lot of like uh, the similar things, characteristics, introversion, an, an easy acceptance of drug use. Uh, like, I mean, 
smoking pot at that an all early sound, age. That yeah. all sounds very familiar. Yeah, and just like, you know, slacker attitude. That was what kind of got me onto this topic. It was just... And the, and the introversion, like the the really the, the the I mean, if I think about, I went to high school. I can well, you know, there was a movie called Slacker in 1990. Do you remember yeah, that movie? Yeah, I distinctly remember watching that movie, and it's a pretty good. It's like set in Austin or something. It's a pretty good movie. Did your dad want you to be a lawyer? My dad didn't care. It was my mom that. That was that, all your that mom was hard to please. Yeah, my dad didn't didn't care. I don't think I've ever talked. I ever talked to him about what he wanted me to do. My mom would tell me stuff like that all the time, but yeah, she made him be a doctor. I mean, he wanted to be, but she pushed him to do it. They met before med school. Well before, and he was like kind of a slacker, you know, being an Oregonian. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Washingtonians go for it. Pro-business, pro-development, um, less land use restrictions. You know, that's always been a real that characteristic there. That doesn't sound like there. Seattle. Yeah, that it, doesn't sound like the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. I mean, not now <laughs> in that one part of Seattle, but in general, if you look at the Puget Sound area, they're, they're pretty pro-business. And I think that's why they're going to survive. And they work harder. And I think that's why they're doing better than we are. So... And Just they're happier. A, a couple days ago, um, Andrea Suarez from We Heart Seattle came into town, and she was talking about how much better Seattle's doing and how bad so Portland looks. I was just in Seattle. Um, I mean, I'm, we're kind of talking all over the place, but one of the things that irks me, having lived in Lent and been a person who doesn't love to drive— I mean, I love it if I'm, like, out on the highway, but in the city, who does, really? But I just really don't, and and so I'll be willing. I hate driving. I'll, I hate driving. But unlike you, I'll be willing to waste time on public transport and walking I waste time on lifts, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I would take the max, especially because I live five minutes away from it, walk, uh, uh, for, like, ten years. I would yeah. have. So I did take the max for... A long time until what? I don't know, 2018, maybe? I mean, Around I d- when it started getting really dangerous, yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I love, like you said, wasting time on it. That was like my alone time. Yeah, it's my almost time meditative. On the it's just like Put cool my headphones down. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. I mean, you, there's nothing nice. you can do to make it go faster. You are out of control. Yep. You know what I mean? You're not in the driver's seat. So you, you it's a, and as attorneys, a lot of times we are, really in that mode where we want to be in the driver's seat. We set our lives up so that we have control. And the train takes it all away from us. That's right. right. And yeah. it's, it's good to remember that you're not actually in control no, of your never. life. <laughs> Especially not in the litigation. You're, Anything exactly. can be filed at any time. That's an illusion that we have any control. Yes. You, it's, um, <laughs> I just, when we were off air, I was just telling you, my job is literally trying to get people all day to do things they don't want to do. Yeah. That is my job. So I think uh, once you accept that, it's very Buddhist. Like, I think once you accept that, it's really about, okay, all life is suffering and <laughs> all I can do, well, I can't, you know, you can reach nirvana. And how do you do that? Well, you realize what's important, like things ain't it. And you realize uh, that what you are, what you have agency in is how you respond mm. to things that life throws at you. And yeah. you can respond well once you surrender. 
I, I totally, I mean, I'm a Catholic, but I'm totally, I, I love all of that. Buddhists that is, say you can be Catholic and Buddhist. I like to hear, because I hear a lot, I, this is what I hear. Portland is a big city now, and so we have, big, we have big city problems. Wrong. And that's why we have a lot of homelessness and a Wrong. lot of drug abuse. Wrong. And Wrong. you know this because you've been... I was been just in Bangkok, Tokyo, and Mumbai. You want to talk about a big city? Mumbai and Tokyo they are dwarf, big cities. Yeah, they dwarf Portland. Mumbai and Tokyo are huge. And Bangkok, I'm saying, is not as huge as Mumbai and Tokyo, but Bangkok is like the 14th biggest city in the world. Like, And so you did not see... I mean, Mumbai is known... For poverty. For slums, right? Right, so... I mean, when you're walking around, what is the difference between walking around Portland and walking around Mumbai? I mean, probably for one thing, people in Portland that are on the street are fed like seven times a day. And people well, in Mumbai probably <clears throat> aren't, but I don't know. Okay. Like, in Mumbai, is really about where you are. You know, there's slum and then there's not slum. There's no middle ground. And so, like, even if you are in the slum, I, I personally... Mumbai is like what I don't what I don't think a lot of people realize is like the the large part of the part of it the the older part of it is now getting fixed up as you know India has the world's highest growth rate now and is predicted to really make uh, huge gains in its wealth right now especially as things are being offshored from China. What is so, the reason for that? Just like their population, they have a lot of working people. It is, and yeah, it is the number. I mean, you know, I, I, I realize a lot of people are not going to be paying attention to India. And so I can, what seems to me obvious isn't going to be obvious. But yeah, India is the, the growth story right now in the financial world. And uh, people have been thinking, including my dad was always telling me, he was a big, my dad was like an anti-racist, not in the violent way, but he was a white guy from Eastern Oregon that really liked minorities and loved other cultures and loved to travel. Who knows where that came from? Um, and he always told me, you know, India has a lot of people. Don't discount them. And I would always be like, yeah, but they're so poor, dad. Everybody says India doesn't matter at all. And like, he would always get really mad. And I always felt insecure about, you know, being from India because people tend to dismiss it. The reasons have changed, but, um, what, what, how did those change? Well, like people used to dismiss it by just saying it didn't matter. It was very poor, didn't play a role in world affairs. Um, and you know, in addition to it being dirty and poor and whatever, like they still say that, but, um, now it's, but they have nukes. I mean, well, that that's that happened I'm sorry, in the we have always that happened in the nineties. I'm talking about when okay, I was a little kid. Okay. Yeah, when I was a little kid, India was really different. <laughs> for one thing, people forget people forget India has nukes. For one thing, when I was a little kid, India had 600 million people. Now it has 1.45 billion. So there were less. There was 40 percent of the people there than there is now. The average age in India is like 27. I mean, everyone there is young that you see on the street. They're young and they're, are they, that you see, you mean walking around on the street or Just, homeless? I mean, the average age is 27. So most of what you see when you walk around is, is And that's young working people. age. Yeah. And, prime, prime and they all working work. age. Yeah. Okay. They're not and they addicted all to drugs. Work. Yeah. So they all want to work. The question is, is most of them can't find work and, um, or a lot of them can't find work. 
good work at least. Uh, and that's changing because there is a lot of things opening up because why wouldn't you? I mean, if you think about it, who was I just talking to? Like, um, uh, okay, I have a friend there who just got his first job. He's a young guy. I tend to date young. And, uh, <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. Uh, and, uh, he, he's like, uh, top in the class engineer and, um, got a good job, which, you know, is to say getting a job at all is pretty good because most of the half of the class won't get an engineering job. Um, and then if you go to a crop school, even more, but, um, they all want to work and he makes as a mechanical engineer designing i think he's in a company that does car parts and uh he his salary which he was really pleased about is about five thousand dollars a year i was gonna say thirty five thousand dollars so i go to him you know you you are a gay guy you might you know we've been talking like he would like to work abroad and I said you could buy a flat in Bombay working in America for three years like a cheap flat or a nice flat in any other city Bombay is expensive I call it Bombay it's just what I grew up and when I get talking I'll just say Bombay um they change the name but um I was like you he want you know he likes Bombay because as a gay person that would definitely be one of the main places you'd want to live and it's like he's like I'm like, you could come here to the U.S. and work for three years and save up if you live with roommates and be able to buy a flat in Mumbai. And so I was like, you should go abroad. And he's like, well, yeah. But he's like, I'm like, well, so how does that work? And he's, I'm like, well, will they, can you work, transfer from your company in? And he's like, no, because they want, (laughs) he's like, you have to get a job abroad because a company wants to keep as many people as possible in India. And I'm like, no kidding. $150,000 $150,000 salary versus five. No wonder they want to hire Indians, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this is world trade, right? Yeah, this is it's services, it's offshoring of services, not manufacturing. This yeah. is why Trump, I think, why Trump won the election. We, I was just talking to one of my best friends about this, and she's, we're eating and drinking, so please excuse the yeah. the wine being slammed <laughs> like, down. Uh, I'll try not to do that. And the, the napkin wiping <laughs> across. Do Don has a mustache. <laughs> People can't see him, but so he does. So the, <laughs> otherwise, it he just, doesn't want a flavor saver. Uh, he yeah. needs to. Yeah. He's he likes to be presentable. Um, unlike a lot of people in this city. I do. You know, that is unlike well, a lot of people in this city. I mean, in part because you're a gay man. So you have dignity. Uh, you have not seen some of the gay men in this town, apparently. <laughs> See, what they're doing is we're going nowhere in, I know. In, in Portland City and Multnomah in terms of infrastructure on so many levels. Vancouver is ca- catching up. You know, oh, they're not oh, just catching up. My development clients are only building well, that, they're the only place you can build. Right. That's part of it. They're like, I'm not doing Washington anything. Washington is pro-business. Yes. That's what I told you. Yeah. And you're right about that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Jenny Durkin, Summer Love, Chaz, whatever. How, why can they rebound from that? Because they have money. Oh, why are we in the toilet? Because we just don't have that. Seattle is classic American leftist, which is to say not anarchist, like blow it all up leftist. They're like, they'll like act communist, but that town is about money. Right. Whereas here in Portland, there's a lot of people who like True really, believers. Not only do they 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 like 
talk the talk, right? Which is to say there's a lot of people in Seattle that do too. Like there was this woman, Kshama Swant. She was crazy. She's from where I'm from in India, actually. Um, she was like the socialist. She's the only socialist mem- politician of that level ever in America. Um, she was a city council person. But anyway, she was like the Joanne Hardesty of Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Um, but she retired. Um but so Seattle can talk the talk, but ultimately most of the people that live there are really all about getting them to that two, three, four hundred thousand level a year in money in income. Whereas Portlanders do most people here don't care about making that much and and a lot of people don't even need to make forty or fifty thousand, right? I mean, so like and so so it's not only do they talk the talk in Portland of being anti business, but they actually walk the walk. They just don't make a lot of money here. A lot of people. Yeah. Oh, she cray cray. So she goes, so it looks like, so that's pronounced Shama. Kashama. Kashama is how you probably say it in America. In in, in India, you say it all at once. Okay. Shama Swan. Yeah. And so it's spelled K-S-H-A-M-A-S-A-W-A-N-T. And I think she's so extreme that my, the phonetic way I wrote it in, which was totally wrong, just like pulled her up. She was she was socialist alternative brand. So she like led a protest where they like yeah born in India things and stuff. She took them to the mayor's office and the mayor was like, "Hey, you're on the council with me. Why would you do that to me? Like, um, you know that didn't even happen in Portland, but uh, like um, she's just she's just she's got a temper Um, and is super. So she is a true socialist she apparently i don't know how you can really yep she doesn't really walk it through all the way but she's a communist not just a socialist um and she's i guess the only city council person in america who's ever like an actual communist i don't know that was something i read about it says she's part of the socialist alternative so this is just from wikipedia the united states section of the trotskyist Trotskyist International Organization, the International Socialist Alternative. Trotsky was a communist. That sounds, yeah, yes, thank you. That sounds (laughs) crazier than the DSA. That sounds crazier than the Democratic Socialists of America. Formerly the Committee for Workers International. The difference is that she's not, Trotsky was not democratic. Well, yeah, and and this sounds DIY. This sounds like very alt. she rejects working with Democrats or Republicans. Uh, she, although she backed Bernie. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing was with her is like she was she was in many ways. I mean Bernie's a man of the system. Yeah, Cur- he's literally in the legislature. Well, like I mean, so is the Seattle leftists. I mean they're they're for the most part people of the system up there. I mean. You got to think right now. I mean, Seattle and Portland have really diverged. I mean, in the sense that, like, I'm I was born they and have. brought up in Seattle till I was 11, and then I came to Portland. I mean, you and I were just talking it about how we spent all our time on the Max getting to work. It was yeah. a, it was a. I took it like three or four times a week. Personal point of pride. That yeah. was your alone time. That was your. I liked it. It was very nice. Like we were saying. I mean, that wasn't when this was on the air, but so it's like you know. I like that little bit that we did, so I'm going to redo it. Yeah, do um, it. It was good. So, like, as litigators, many of us, whether we want to or not, really try to control a lot of things. 
And the you train, don't say. the train, <laughs> you know, you look at litigators, like uh, depending on who they are, like a lot of times I, I think honestly, the, the, my, I think who I think does a really good job a lot of times is women who are just really put together like you and, and you look really put together Thank you, and you know, you look good, even though you work a lot and it's just really impressive. And and you have kids. I mean, there's not you know, many of us. No, but there there in are this some city. Like there, there are some. Yeah, and, and I'm friends with all of what, them. What I think is impressive <laughs> is is you know just that that whole you know keeping that all together. So I was talking about the the max was like you know as a litigator you really I'm trying to put you into the mindset. It's like you really just get to where you want to try to do everything you can to like sort of manage things. And a lot of the people who are litigators like try to have everything just so and like when you get on the train you're not in the driver's seat anymore and any illusion of it at all disappears and so you just have to sit there and like you can look around you can read you I know. loved all that yeah, yeah I, lo- I did so much reading but there's nothing no one can pull you out of that train because you're stuck on it no emergency you, nothing yeah it was almost kind of great if yeah. you missed your if you missed your stop, because then it was like, okay, I'm just going to cycle back on through yeah, and I'm going to finish this chapter. <laughs> so what made it slowly around whenever it was, basically kind of, I always date everything to the enemy, Charlie Hales, who allowed street camping. Um, but of course, it's not that simple. Be- well, but I know why you do that, because you lived in Lentz yeah. and Lentz felt the brunt of that. I two, mean, it- two bike paths cross in Lentz and both of them are areas of people camping on the side who often are violent. And yes, so that was a big problem for us and still is. Many people in Portland tend to forget in their quest for certain outcomes politically is just how it feels to live east of 82nd. Like, Please talk about yeah. that. Not enough people think about that. Yeah, and you know, honestly... So East Portland is marked as like being one quarter of the city. But if you draw the line at 82nd, you know, it's probably close to a third of the city. And in terms of number of people. Uh, So like if you live there, crime is like your number one concern. For people who didn't hear Don's first episode, Don is Don is Indian. He now lives in India. Half Half Indian. He now lives in India. Uh, he's traveled throughout the world, as you've already heard extensively. Um, and so he, and he lived in Lentz before he moved. So he, and he did. For a long time. I'll link to his letter again, but he wrote a great letter to Dan Ryan and city council about why they should not be moving these quote unquote safe rest villages, which are actually just open air drug markets into Lentz because Lentz was beleaguered. Already had it. Enough. Exactly. So I'm going to link to that again. But anyway, so when Don talks about immigrants, minority populations, et cetera, he's talking about people that are not only his neighbors, but his family, what he's seen um, firsthand. And so this isn't, you know, a white lawyer talking about poor immigrant minorities. I mean, you've always got to be careful if somebody's being racist and people can be racist of any race. Um, well, I don't like, think you're a yeah. racist, well, but what I just I mean wanted is to put you, some context always to has it. To, I don't believe that your background entitles you to say whatever you want, but whatever. Some people can think that. I'm just going to brag on you for a minute. I want you. Where did you go? Do your undergrad? 
The undergrad was the really prestigious place, but nobody's ever heard of it. It's called Williams College. Oh, people have heard of it. Um, it's got like a, it's got a crazy teeny tiny admissions rate. It's one of those uh, little ivies. And then uh, where did you go to law school? UCLA, which is coming up. Uh, it's not just coming up. It's actually incredibly difficult to. Well, because everyone wants to live in LA, so it has a low uh, acceptance rate. Uh, very low. (laughs) It's nearly impossible. Everyone wants to live on the west side. I just want to be clear, like, you weren't a resident of California when you applied, right? The the, they don't the they don't really have a preference for residents. I don't think, but maybe they do. Um, I think they do because it's the UC system. No, I wasn't a resident. Yeah, so I just I want to be. But you know, I argued my way into it. Of course, once I got there, so that I could (laughs) save twenty thousand dollars that first year. Of course, you did because you're (laughs) that good. Because you're that good. Okay, so this says uh, so. Williams um, is like in the you know top tier of institutions. And the highest percentage that I can find in regard to an emissions rate is under 10%. It's 9%. But I'm also seeing here like 4%, 8%. I mean, this is very, this is a incredibly prestigious college. I mean, there are tons, if you just Google it, it's like, how to get in? How do I, who will, what, what should my essay say? I mean, it's just, how did you even pick it? Well, I'll tell you, I picked it. So I, like I was sort of alluding to my, like, decision-making when I was that age was entirely externally, like, based on external motivating and, and factors. And it's in the Berkshires, yeah. right? Like, in Massachusetts, so, Western Massachusetts. So I was always just about how do I, like, cover up all this insecurity. So I was like, I'm going to go to the best college that I can. And so I applied to Harvard. I got I'm on the waiting list. I'm surprised you did not get into Harvard. I got on the waiting list. Why? Because my high school GPA, there was my freshman year, I didn't care. And so I so only got, had what, a 3.7. A only had a 3.7. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, everybody needs to understand this is back before you had 60 valedictorians and everybody had a 4.8. This was back when, so when Don and I were in high school, a 4.0 was practically unheard of. Yeah, because I was, was number seven, 16 out of 250 with a 3.7. With a 3.7. See, hear that? So so I had a 3.7 also, and that was considered amazing. That was like, but, yeah, you know, it's not Harvard. Yeah, I was 16 out of 250, yeah. Right, there you go. It's not Harvard, but it was considered, like, really freaking good. Like, good enough, certainly. And then the other thing you need to understand is there was one valedictorian. What do they have now? And there now? was a salutatory. Well, now they have yeah, like they have five. Yeah, valedictorian and salutatory. Oh, you have like second best, best. Good no, job they for all you. show up. Yeah. It's like they all have the exact same GPA, so I guess they're oh, all valedictorian. because they all have 4.3. Yes, or 4.9 yeah. or Well, we what? didn't have over 4.0 when I was younger. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. And a lot of people, a lot of people had Ds. Well, and that I, was the thing. I also got Flunking a D. Flunking out was a thing. Or like, I did get a D, and that's why I couldn't get into Harvard, you know, because I just didn't care. You got a D and or what? Something. No, you didn't get a what D. What did I get? Somebody with a 3.7 doesn't have a D. Well, I'm what sorry, did Don. I have? You had a, like a B minus. And that's what I thought was a D. Yeah. 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 No, your, but I mean, I, I your just, world. in my world, I was just like freshman year, I didn't care. I was really depressed. I had just moved from Seattle, and, like, nobody would talk to me, and I don't know. I just didn't care, and I had no friends, and I didn't care that much. Um, 
And then the counselors come in sophomore year and they're like, well, this is a good story. The counselors was like, I hated that woman. Oh my God. I have a bit of a temper problem, but, uh, (laughs) she was like, she goes, so I guess we got to start talking about college. And I go, she goes, well, have you thought about where you want to go? And I was like, I don't know, like Ivy league. Cause Harvard or whatever. I forget what I said. And, and she's like, Don, now. And my guess is your SAT was Don't, amazing. Yeah, it was pretty. It was probably practically the best perfect. The school had had in their memory. The so. best your high school had in their memory. I mean, you, like, call me smart, but, like, you are also. Not completely gay, intellectually this, disabled. But it's like, and you're, you're just so put together, and you, you know, you do so well, and you're, you're, you have your kids, and you, you care about them, and you take care of them, and. And, you know, you're a nice person. You're not going to be able to go back to and, India. And you're not, They're gonna and find you're not you duct a Republican. To my garage. And not a left, far <laughs> leftist. I mean, what's not to like? I'm the whole package. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you cannot, hello, one can actually talk to how you. How could one have this many haters? Like, what, One can actually talk to you and not be, like, continually jumped on. Like, so many people in Portland. It's just, like, they've got so many triggers. It's, like... You said something, you see their face turns dark. I know. And then you said something that did something, and they're like, well, actually, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, you're, you know, you'd be like, okay, talk them down. But it's like, you don't, I don't, you know, you don't do that. You can actually encompass somebody saying things that might pique you or whatever, and you're just like, whatever, and move past. Thank you, yeah. Don. I don't think you're going to be able to move back. Um, you're gonna Move back here. You're gonna live since I with got back here I've in been my home. Miserable. <laughs> I've been miserable. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. For your sake, you have to go back. But for my sake, you're gonna stay here. No, come on. I didn't realize you had gotten that high. Not that I'm judging you. You on had this, a perfect math, SAT. though, didn't you? No, I had an, just the seven twenty. Okay. Well, I did not have the seven. So that's why you didn't get into a really good school. Because you botched the math, yep. apparently. I did botch the math. I more than botched the math. <laughs> I didn't even I was, finish it. I'm not good at math. Like, that's why I'm a lawyer. Was, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. With that score, you're good at math. So, so the other thing is, I want people to understand what the UCLA acceptance rate is. And it, it's, okay, can you guess? Do you know what it is? For undergrad or law school? No, for law school, for your alma mater. Know, 10%. Yeah, very close. I mean, it hovers between like 10 and 15 percent. And just to give everybody um, an idea of what how Oregon works. So like for people who think. Oregon law schools? Well, I went to U of O. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, (laughs) That was sounded really snobby and it was. I I own that. You know what? It's it's it it is appropriate. No, but come on. Look at you now. Um, I can't even do this work. It makes me too nervous. No, this is this is appropriate snobbery. Um, is it? No, yeah, it's no snobbery. It is. is it is because no. Oregon law schools are terrible. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, sorry. I said it's it again. It's true. They're terrible. <laughs> Lewis and Clark. Oh, I mean all Ouch. all of them are, and they yeah. keep lowering the bar exam score. You know, Lewis and Clark law grads ruined this town, and I'll back that up. Say more. Uh, back it up. Okay. Uh, I do this without like doing some kind of defamation. Um, <laughs> like if you look at many of the attorneys who have who who either represented or supported on Twitter and stuff, Antifa, 
Uh, oh, I know. They're, I've noticed they're, that, too. A lot of them are Lewis, Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark is overrepresented. They're, they're either professors or law school graduates, and I've noticed that as well. A lot of people, a lot of our listeners have pointed that out to me. You're exactly right. So just for some contrast, so I went to U of O Law School. I I did get a full scholarship to go to law school. That's See, why yeah, I, I didn't went get there. that. I, I know, but you weren't going to get that. I mean, UCLA probably doesn't even give those because they don't need to. Um they're just like, everybody is such a genius who gets in here, you're going to do fine. So they, at U of O, their, accept, their acceptance rate is over 50%. Yeah, it's not a good so law school. So it's more probable than not. Nor is it a good undergrad. That you are going to get into that law school. I mean, I'm just going to say it. If I, it's not, if you are talking about what is a quote good school and, and what is not? And that's the U of O. Let's no. look at Willamette. Let's yeah, look at Willamette. Uh, well, Willamette has some really successful attorneys that come out. They of do, room. but do you want to know what their acceptance rate is? And I'm looking at LawSchoolTransparency.com, which is where everybody should go if they're interested in law school or being a lawyer. Um, do you know what Willamette's acceptance rate is? Seventy percent. It's about sixty. Okay. Close enough. So that actually makes U of O look like UCLA. Well, Emmett is probably one of the lowest ranked schools in the nation. Yeah. Well, that is part of why they helped lobby to lower the bar passage exam. So are they going to get rid of the bar exam? I'm sure that they will. I'm sure that they will. Um, Okay. So Lewis and Clark seems to be doing better than U of O right now because their acceptance rate is 52%. But again, I just want to be really clear. If you want to go to law school in Oregon, I mean, Don't. for one thing, you know, Don't. You, you're going to have trouble getting a job. I want to be clear about that. There's just there's too many lawyers. It's too difficult. Um, you, it's very difficult to make any Work kind on of your own, a, like I did. Yeah, it's very difficult to make any kind of you? a living at unless you have your own shop. Um, but what I will say is, shit, you want to go to law school? Come here and do it because. Like oh, oh, to get in. Over half of you are going to get it. And frankly, if you just apply to Willamette, 60% of oh. you guys are going to slide okay. in there. I, I Okay, about being a lawyer, I actually think some people are suited for it, like you. I love it. Yeah, and I did. But most people don't. I did, and then... And then I had to pick up my the back of my dad's head up, like when he shot himself, and I had a whole mental breakdown. Oh my god! And Don. that's what made it. So I just was like, um, I just find this. Just I'm sorry. Stressful. I don't. But think I, I used to really that, like it. I don't think I realized that you found your dad after he killed himself. Yeah. Yeah, and so it ruined my law practice because. I was like, of course it did. I'm surprised like, you're not in a gutter yeah, shooting up. Like I guess they don't shoot up like, smoking fetties right now. It was so hard to to do the law practice and deal with that. No, it's it actually really just like brutal. hard to wake up in the morning. Well, How yeah. old were you? So exactly, that is exactly why it's hard. Actually, it's hard to wake up in the morning, and so if you have your own law practice and you want to accomplish things for your client and not get called into the bar you have to get up and so you were my dad had committed suicide my mom is a bitch she killed him basically and you were living in a hellhole okay so that's not to make that not slander she made a false police report that he was beating her when he has never done that and wasn't because he was barricaded in the basement with a baseball bat against the door and she wanted to get him out so she told the police that he was beating her 
And then when they showed up, he shot himself. So in my view, she I'm killed so him. I'm so sorry, yeah. Don. And so I was dealing with that and having a law practice, litigation practice with a number of, for me, what were I large personal injury cases where many hundreds of thousands of dollars were on the line. And I was also dealing with that. And it was, I was really unhappy. And you were living in the lens. And so I voted for Trump. Yeah. Because the whole place was going to shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and all the riots and everything, or, you know, it was just like, fuck that. Fuck Democrats. Yeah. Fuck them. And I'm now back to, you know, I always was an independent, and I'm now back to being able to vote for Democrats. But during that period, I would vote Republican down the ticket because I was like, fuck you people. You ruined my city. Yeah, it's difficult, especially for anybody that hasn't been to Lens. Please go drive into there. All you have to do is take oh, it in. Oh, I'll tell you a good reason to go there. One of the best, well, the best, well, it depends on what you like. Patisserie or bakery. If you're on the bakery side, if you know what the difference is, patisserie is like a, you know, sort of a more, things are very, very sweet. A lot of the Asians are doing really good patisseries. Yes, they so, are. Jinju. So, yes, so, they are. So, so you, you know, not that, but the other bakery, which would be a more bread type of base. Like thing. a boulangerie. The or, best yeah. bakery in Portland is in Lentz. She got an amazing deal from the city because they redeveloped the whole Lentz town center. And um, there's actually two things that are the best that you can find in the state that are in Lentz. That bakery, it's called Bella's Italian Bakery. And it's on um, Foster and right before 92nd. So in between 91st and 92nd on, on Woodstock, I guess. It is on Woodstock. Yeah. And that place is sick. Yeah, like, I know exactly where you're so talking about. Good. It is and really And she has good. a small selection of, 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 yes. And she has a small selection of high quality Italian imports in, you know, cheese, wine, um, pasta, anchovies, um, all, I just, I just, it's like, it's a dream. I've never been to a food store that I enjoy more anywhere in the world. Italy, yes. Yeah. Italy, really? yes. Yeah. Her bakery is just, it's a pleasure to go in there. And you go in there and you just see the most, I don't know, it's an, it's an oasis. It actually, Lentz is cool. Uh, there's so much good food well, in Lentz. The Chinese so food is so good. The Chinese yeah. food is delicious. And when they were trying to reinvest in Lentz, Despite their best she pays efforts no rent. to absolutely, I'm sure Zero. because despite their best efforts to absolutely destroy it, woman. there was a brief period where they were building it up, and the coolest stuff was going in over there. I mean, Lentz is just a cool neighborhood. Like the the eating is so good, and um, well, because they have such yeah. a big immigrant population, I think yeah, that's just my just, armchair psychology. Know, but it's so okay. You, so Bell, yeah. um, Bell is a tiny bakery, and where, what else do you like? And that's really close to two hundred five. So, and then the other thing I like is my is there's a gym called American Top Team. Okay, and that gets a four point nine on Google, which is not. Is a, that where you go? Yeah, it's not. That's four point nine is pretty good. On yeah, Google. yeah, it uh, is. Uh, so easily the highest strength gym in in Portland. Um, and what do you like about it? Well, and so I'll plug it even further. There's a guy. Okay, so Jordan, he is clearly a savant of some kind because he has made an amazing gym. But 
when I called in and I was like, I want... Is this the guy that teaches boxing? Well, no, but the, yeah, that's that's Brian Sanchez who's teaching me. The guy who runs the gym is also really cool. Okay, um, I've heard about both of yeah, these guys. and Brian Sanchez is probably the best boxer in Oregon. Yeah. No, definitely is the best yeah, boxer Yeah, I've in heard Oregon. that. There's, there's no... All the other boxers who may be the best of boxers in Oregon say that he's better than them, and he is. Yeah, if you want yeah. boxing lessons, this Brian is Sanchez. where... I mean, I, yeah. and I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten and, about and, that guy. And I can't really talk about it too much, but definitely keep him in mind because, you know, like, he may not always be at that gym. Okay. I'll just put it that way. Um, so go now. Uh, well, or when he... He might start his own gym, is what I'm saying. Uh or follow him. Yeah, he's so good. Like, I tell you, like my mom has had three heart attacks in two years, and she has, I've literally been told by doctors that she's about to die three times in the last two years, been in the hospital, and she's like, and this is a person who, like, I consider to have, like, almost murdered my dad. So it's And she's really now hard. in India. Yeah, I took her over there because the last time she had a heart attack, which was January, that they were like, they were like, I was in the hospital, and they were like, they were like, your mom, I mean, like, she's really, really bad. Like, really, really, you know, because she was intubated and, like, you know, and unconscious. And, and like, she's like, they're like, she's really, really bad. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, well, you know, why are you reacting more? And I was like, well, I mean, this is, like, the third time that I've been in this situation in the last two years. And so I'm eating salami. <laughs> Um, He's, he has to. I mean, he, he boxes. He needs protein for... My dad... For muscle. Killed himself on November 14th, 2015. So that's when I found him. Because I was, like, and sleeping. And that, you're exactly right. That was in... That was, like... In the middle of the shit storm, like 2015, that was... All the stupid it riots was Charlie that were Hales. happening downtown. It, yep. The tear gas, the... Well, that was... That went through... Portland has had riots from about 2014 through 2020. They've thankfully died down now. Yeah. Well, for the time being. I'm sure there'll be more. Me too. Um, yeah, and so, like, I don't know. I was, like, sleeping... And uh, my mom calls me, and uh, she's like, it's 3 a.m. So, like, I'm like, Mom, what is it? And then she's, my mom has borderline personality disorder, which people may not know about that. But it's a, it's a, it's a thing that makes you pretty crazy. Um, There's a really good book about it called Walking on Eggshells that kind of describes... Yeah, unpredictable temper Mm -hmm. and gets so mad and just is so mad and cannot let it go. And even I have trouble letting it go. My mom, you have to be the one to walk away, and I'm usually not that person. Um, And so she calls me, and she's like, your dad and I got in a fight. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mom, it's 3 a.m. Like, you guys always fight. Why are you calling me about a fight that you got into? And she's like, well, we were fighting, and it was pretty bad, and whatever. I'm like, okay. And she's like, again, I'm like, well, why are you calling me? And she's like, well, you know, it's nothing. Go back to bed. 
go back to bed, go back to bed. And I'm like, no, mom, you called me at 3 a.m. Like, it's obviously not nothing. What is it? And, and they're in Milwaukee, you're in Lentz? Yeah, Milwaukee, like, sort of, you, it's the it's close to Gladstone. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's called Oakfield. Uh, but yeah, Milwaukee is, is what you'd probably call it. Um, so it's not, it's like, it's, it's like. It's 10 minute drive. Yeah, it's not super far away, but like, it's the middle of the night. And you have your own life. You've got this career you're trying to manage. You have yeah, enough well, stress. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever. I mean, I was just like, okay, well, so then she goes, she goes, and I was doing good then, right? At that moment, I was like, you know, pulling in like 200 grand annum per annum, you know, which was enough for me, especially working four hours a it's day. It's a lot of money. For working 20 hours a week. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of AC. So you were doing I a work lot of- no more ever than 20 hours a week. And I was proud of that. So I was like, I'm not a real lawyer. I just do this part time. Yeah. And I'm an artist or whatever. I had all sorts of. I didn't want to accept being a lawyer because to me, it was beneath me. I just have a lot of insecurity. Um, and I felt like being a lawyer was not a respectable thing. You really respectable is like being an artist. See, that's the Portland in me. Yeah, it uh, sure is. And so then, yeah, she, anyway, she's like, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, well, I heard a pop. And I'm like, you heard a pop? Well, no, she goes, she goes, we were fighting. And she's like, well, then I heard a pop. And I'm like, you heard a pop? I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm on my way over. And I knew exactly what had happened at that point. And um, you already knew. Well, yeah, she heard a pop. Like, my dad had lots of guns. I don't know. Uh, some people. Well, I guess this is Milwaukee. I was going to say some people would say there are pops in lens every night, but this is Milwaukee. No, Clackamas County. They Not, keep it. They keep things running. In a yeah, tight that's ship. Ben West Country. That's a different place. Clackamas, it's almost like a different planet. Clackamas County is the original, much more of the original Oregon in the Portland area. Like it is closest yeah. to the rest of Oregon. Of all the counties in the metro area. Right, because it's, it's yeah. it, and, and, it, and people don't, like, Ben was explaining this to me when he came on when he was ben running West. for commissioner. Yeah, it goes. I know him. Do you? Because that's who yeah. I was talking about. He's, he's, he has a, oh, a beautiful son and he has yeah. a husband. Oh, Wilsonville, and, yeah, no. Yeah. I went camping with him. You did? Yeah, like years ago. How did you Well, he up? knows a friend of mine. And so this is we crazy. went. He knows a friend of mine. Was this when he and Paul lived in Kenton? No, he, he lived in Wilsonville at the time. Okay, uh, was he a city councilor? Not yet. He okay. was a, Yeah, he was a city councilor, but not county commissioner. Right, right. Which he barely got, I think. No, like, yeah, no, he did. And so it was so funny. He came on, a listener. Cool. Actually, maybe the listener who referred me to you, but a listener said, Ben West is so interesting. And I was like, I don't know, he's a little right wing for me. And I called him no, up. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he kind of is, but... Kind of is, kind of isn't. It's funny, kind of isn't. So I called him up, Now I'm totally... We got to get through your dad's suicide. I'm sorry. That was disrespectful. Why? I love Ben West. He's... I mean, I we really hit it off. And <laughs> oh, I I'm just, so glad. Yeah. Okay, good. So we'll... So, um, well, anyway, she, I called... What, did I call him or you? Somehow I got in touch with him. And I said, hey, uh, I heard you're running for Clackamas County Commissioner, and this is a Portland thing, but I've got all these. And it was more than one. It was multiple listeners, and they want to hear from you. I mean, you must have something really interesting to say. And he just, he he was on, he was at work. He was on his break. He's a a nurse nurse at OHSU. 
and he's gay. He and his husband Paul Rummel. I mean, for those, I'm guy. sorry. For he's he's great looking. Women are the women listeners are obsessed with him. He's a good looking guy. Obsessed with him. Obsessed, especially his facial hair and the camo. And he's just big. He is big. He's tall. He's fit. He's funny. He's smart. So he he's he, a winner. He's a winner. So he says. Um, he just starts talking, and he says, yeah, me and my husband were the first um, gay people to be married in Oregon. We had to sue the state. Ooh, uh, the ACLU, story, the ACLU represented them, and they're still on. Paul and Ben West are still on the ACLU website. You know, Basic Rights Oregon was super mad at them. Why? Because um, Basic Rights Oregon wanted a ballot measure. Okay. They didn't want a lawsuit. They wanted yeah. a ballot measure. And so they got really pissed. And then, like, Paraguay, like, took their case. And, like, there's a lot of bad blood there. Just FYI. I'm kind of a gossip. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's sort of like Tiana Tozer suing the city because she's she came on here. Um, she's disabled. And she has to navigate the city in a wheelchair. And she had called Disability Rights Oregon and said, hey, you know, I can't navigate around these tents and I'm disabled and they were like a lot of homeless people are disabled too and they wanted nothing I mean they in fact they were like against the settlement well disability rights Oregon basic right Oregon is the gay one but they're both very woke yes but it just it reminded me yeah. of that scenario where it was like you just think that this organization or this nonprofit or this activist group is going to be on your side because you're like okay we believe in the same things we believe in access for gay people we believe in access for disabled people and they're like actually no not your brand of well that. they okay they're to play their side which i really rarely like doing that with the oregon nonprofits who i hate but um they thought it would be more legitimacy for the movement if it was done by the voters. Mm-hmm. And they thought that they they all plan this out. You know, all the gay organizations have a national, you know, they all connect. So they thought that Oregon was one of the states where they didn't need to do it judicially, that they could do it, which they found more valuable to do it through the voters. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I don't not get it. But I I also get, yeah. I mean, as opposed to disability rights Oregon who are like, oh, well, the homeless are also disabled. It's like, yeah, that's a reason to get them off the street and to get them into shelter. We have to start drawing a distinction between drug addiction and other types of disability because drug addiction has a volitional component to it. And you you can't deny that. Like, you know, that's a thing. It's like, so a lot of these people in Portland act like they don't really know what to think. I mean, I'm trying to be charitable. I'm thinking of people that I know. For example, a woman lawyer that I know who partnered up with somebody who was like suing the police. And <laughs> this is a girl I went to high school with. And you also went to high school. With that woman the, who the like bailed Reese, out that yes. yeah, what bailed out that guy who then murdered his girlfriend. Who who I'm telling you, Rex Putnam has allegedly had, allegedly we, we murdered. We were low achieving yes. school, but yeah. there were there's a lot of people who are still in the area, and you know, frankly, most of them do pretty well now. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I I I, I know Portland Freedom Fund. 
Yeah, and that I, was when I learned I that her. she was and white. That, her, I can say her name. I wouldn't want to say the name of the attorney because I'm talking shit Right, because this but, one yeah. is... The, Amanda McDonald. Trujillo she, now, but Tru, yes. Trujillo, yeah. So because of her last name, I just assumed she wasn't no, white. And it wasn't until you... As they come. Yeah, it wasn't until you came in here when, that I realized oh that she was Oh my God, white. we could even talk about this forever. You know who votes far left in this town is only white girls. That's probably not White wrong. girls are the... If you really want to look on I don't who know, to there's blame... There's a lot of male Antifa. You want to know who to blame in this town. At least town. all that... Most of the stars online are You want to know who to blame in this town. It's white girls. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I had to <laughs> make a sweeping generalization, yeah. Yeah. That's right. But what's weird yeah. is they're vilified on all sides, right? They're Karens. Vilified as being women. They're yeah. Karens. Well, that's the, the curse of being a woman. I guess. You can't get anything right. I mean, they're Karens, but they're also Antifa. Like, I, can you really, is there, a, I, need, I mean, I'm sure there's a Karen-Antifa hybrid. Well, no, Antifa is Karen. Karen is Antifa. I mean, I know that right. sounds a little Especially crazy. Especially with the masks. Yeah. They're still wearing masks. And they're still upset like, that you're not wearing masks. What I mean is, is it's, a, it's a type of woman who's like, you know, I really... woman i mean that's so gendered i'm not i'm not even going to say that what i can think of is i'm just going to describe a specific you know that word is loaded right now i'm not even that's why i took it back i'm not even going to go there so what i'm going to say is a 20 more hours of tape specific i have to go home this evening we can't even get into that specific type of voter in this town who wants to be really nice and who wants things to be a certain way, wants a lot out of, who really wants to believe the best in people. Yeah. And who who really wants that to shine through and believes in the power of love. And, and, and that is a great thing. Unfortunately, it doesn't translate well into trying to pick a political candidate because if you pick the people who express those thoughts they're not always people who have a pathway to getting there they're just saying those things those nice things and there's a lot of people in this town mm-hmm. who these are like they can espouse luxury beliefs because that person has said that and they don't actually think like more practically more in depth, more holistically about how those things specifically would be accomplished. They tend to be hands off about the machinery of government and just go for the nice words. And to me, yeah, it seems right. like a lot of those people are white women. So we, for the first time since the early 80s, have gone down in population in 2022. That's right. Yeah. And, um, not only did we go down in population, but we were number six in both the percentage and number of people that we declined. So that should be a wake-up call because the last time we declined in population was 30, 35 years ago. Yeah, so this this was a really great... We I talk about it a lot, and apologies to everybody who's heard this a billion times, but I just think it's really good, and uh, I think Anthony Effinger is doing a public service for this city. He wrote this article February 1st, 2023, in Willamette Week, and he says, he explains that Multnomah County lost residents for the past three years 
according to Portland State University's Population Research Center, before 2020, it hadn't lost people since 87. And that was a one-year blip in an upward run that began in 84. Yeah. In the most recent PSU estimate for the year ended July 1st, 2022, the population fell by 2,321. The cause was out-migration, which, as Anthony says, is a fancy way of saying people bailed. And he says that may not seem like a lot in a county that had... 812,563 residents as of July 1st, 2021, but it's a reversal of fortune for a city that once attracted migrants from other states. The way, um, you know, he was like, he was just sort of saying, like, we drew them in this magnetic way. And it's so interesting because we've, in the meantime, money is, so money is moving out and people without money, like homeless people in. who want to do drugs. Our, move, our homeless population is exponentially increasing. Our drug use is exponentially increasing. In the meantime, our people with money are exponentially decreasing. And so, you know. You know what else doesn't help is the, the Oregon flat tax income tax. You know, and then you add to that yeah. the various well, other taxes that they tack on on top of it. Homeless. And, and and it's just like. What's so funny is that homeless tax. Like, it's like the people with the biggest homeless problem that, I mean, <laughs> I, probably in the United States uh, that are an international spectacle are paying a homeless tax. <laughs> yes. And, um. Wow. I mean, do you talk about that on your blog? But like the implementation of that is just a disaster. I mean, in a podcast, yeah. We talk about it a lot because, well, for one thing, it's metro. So what people are shocked to learn when they move here is that you're paying taxes on three levels of government, right? You're paying state, you're paying, well, really four. You're paying state, you're paying city, you're paying county, state, city, county, metro. And metro encompasses... Ben West Country, it encompasses Clackamas County, it encompasses Kevin Barton Country, which is Washington County, so that would be their DA and a commissioner over in Clackamas, both of whom have been on this show, and then Multnomah, and I'll clearly, you know, go back and listen to Kevin's episode, and he can explain to you why Multnomah is the craziest, but why he needs to see it get better, because the issue is, if Mul- Multnomah County is the anchor, and if Multnomah County gets healthy, the state gets healthy. Here's what I will say that I think is really interesting. Um, at least in Portland, and I think in general, if you read Richard Reeves, who's uh, written a book called Of Boys and Men, or if you walk around downtown Portland, um, the men are not okay. I mean, we can talk all we want about patriarchy, and I know that men still make more than women, and we can talk about why that is and how women have babies and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But all of that said, uh, women seem to be doing pretty well. They're going to college. They're going to law school. They're going to med school. They're graduating. When I walk around Portland, I don't see a ton of women. I see mostly white men in tents smoking off of foil. On the street, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is a white man issue in Portland. Yeah. Or, you know, there's the a lot of... The white man there's, is there's not okay in Portland. black guy homeless, but yeah. In uh, Portland? Yeah, I mean disproportionate maybe portland's only two or three percent black guy right uh, so like i mean when i think of i i know there are two that i can think of off the top of my head that are around here we're sitting in downtown um there are two 
black people that I can think of. Yeah, it and is, they're both I, men. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a young white guys down here doing a lot. Fat. Yeah. And you know, I think that's other you know, that is brings up a whole different topic to me, which is that what I think is really interesting about like the the patriarchy idea is it's totally a legitimate idea. Um Well and it was for a long time. I just I, I think it's just so interesting to me that they why seem why, to be doing terribly. Well and also why do white so many white men are killing themselves? Like both with fentanyl. With fentanyl or with guns when they get older to middle age. My father was one of them. Um, why are they, wow. if yeah. they're, if they're so, um, in charge, why are they so unhappy to where they're escaping with drugs or suicide? We yeah, need no, to take a right. deeper look at mental health. So like patriarchy only gets you so far. Yes. Yes. And, and, and what I think is really interesting, like I had a friend come I can't say that I still call him a friend. I had somebody tried to reconnect me from my Williams College days. Um, on the, uh, I had really low self-esteem then when I went to college. Which is so weird because if you get it, God, I'm trying to imagine what it would feel like to get into somewhere like Williams. Oh, I see. I actually didn't think it was there. an achievement because I wanted to go to Harvard. And so I, I, you know, waited oh out God, the waiting God. list you just and really then got tortured denied. Yourself. And then exactly. Well, that's what I do. I'm so that's what sorry. happens when you, when your mother puts you down. Every I'm day so of your sorry. Life. Yeah. Um, so like, that's just what I happens. I mean, it's when such an achievement. Like it's no, such it an achievement. Not when you wanted to go to Harvard. I know. And, and but so, now can you enjoy it now do, that you have hindsight? No, I don't. Now I have moved past. Oh, you should even, just enjoy it. Even, you should be no, so proud of yourself. I don't care about being, I don't want to be proud to me. Like my. It's so cool. My, my, both my religious, like sort of journey and personal journey have led me to really question pride your religious journey is that of a hindu well just sort of no it's not i mean it's a it's a mix uh-huh. hinduism what is, is your mix interesting religion because it doesn't oh this is where we were talking about before so maybe yeah. we can cut this Mixes back in yeah so so the current prime minister of india is a real powerhouse guy very charismatic and he has gotten to power um, by pitting Hindus against Muslims to make that a very short, you know, which is which is not a, a, a new. Um, the Brits did that as well the, when they colonized India. Um, it, it, it's not a new strategy to pit religious groups or whatever type of groups against each other right. to, 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 to derive a voting block, and that's what he's done. So he came up through, um, you know, India was colonized but first by Islam and then by by the British people who frankly didn't even stay that long in the grand scheme of things but the Muslims were around for 800 years that they ruled India before the and people forget the this. Brits and the Brits only ruled 200 years and so there's a lot of animosity I mean if you look at and I am not going to be pushing Modi, who is a controversial figure. I see him for both his good and evil. But um, to explain it, like, 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 there's a lot of press now about how India is becoming really hostile towards Muslims, and it is happening. Um, so Muslims came into India 
uh, about a thousand years ago, a little before, maybe like eleven hundred years ago, they first came into the no twelve hundred years ago. They first came in to the Sindh province, which is now in Pakistan, um, but it used to be part of India up until nineteen forty-seven. Um, so eight hundred, the year eight hundred, they made it through Iran and into India, and then they slowly came conquered much of the rest of India over the next. 500 years and where they ruled most deeply the north of India you will not find a temple that is older than two or three hundred years old because the Muslims destroyed every single temple that was in North India and the universities that were there the, the great Buddhist universities like were the earliest universities in the world. I mean, they were 2,000 years old. They had, you know, 15,000 students living in what is now one of the poorest parts of the world, Bihar in India. There were multiple universities with 15 to 20,000 students each. And the Islam destroyed all of it, took it down brick by brick. And nothing is left before the Brits came and people were able to rebuild temples and stuff, except things that were buried by the jungle. So there is a deep, deep history and resentment hmm. in India, which you have to understand and cannot blame Hindu Indians for because the Muslims did a lot of damage. That's all in the past. And so my point to the current Indians is like, what good is it going to do for you to punish the Muslims that are there now, who most of them were born in the 90s or 2000s or 2010s? What do they have to do with what happened a thousand years ago? And why? what are you going to do by demonizing them? How are you going to move 250 million people out of your country? Pre-Narendra Modi, who is the Indian Prime Minister, the, the court case in India, the typical court case would last between 10 and 20 years. Whereas here it was two years. Yeah, okay, the law so is not a, okay. not traditionally a high-paying job in India. Nobody respects lawyers at all there. Nobody wants well, their Well, nobody kid to respects be a lawyer. lawyers here. No, they do, though. They, they do. Well, they, they do because of money. Mm -hmm. But I think when people start looking around and realizing how many lawyers there are and how little money there is to go around. For example, me, I never wanted a ton of money. But if you looked at the fact that I worked between 10 and 20 hours a week, I made good money. But you're, you're also very, very smart. You went to Williams. You went to UCLA. I'm talking about your run-of-the-mill person that goes to Oregon State and they go to Willamette. But, I mean, you make good money, too. Look, so, I here's the deal. I... So that was luck and hard work. No, that was hard work yeah. and, and intelligence. Well, it was it was some of that, but not at your level. It was some of that, but it was mostly just I can outwork anybody. I can outprepare anybody. I can outwork anybody, and I'm fine with and like like I'm actually fine with working. And I always have you been. I'm lot, fine with working sixteen hours a day, and I always have been. I, yeah, it doesn't bother you. You don't get FOMO. No, I don't because I've always liked to work. I just enjoy. So when it. you look out the window and you're like. Damn, why can't I be Here? there? You when go, I look yeah. out the window, what I see are people splayed out on the street, <laughs> smoking. I'm not even joking. If we open those blinds, the only reason they're closed because it was hot today. 
But the, before I closed them, I looked out there. I, I saw um, glass all over the parking lot because somebody's car had just been busted out. I saw three people lying in the gutter smoking fentanyl, and I saw a guy in the back of that parking lot, and it's a surface parking lot that you just look out onto that, that is level with the street, having a full event in his underpants. No, I mean, I do not have FOMO. I, oh, see, I work in downtown Portland. Me. When I first if I worked my, in Vegas, I would have FOMO. I got my first job as a lawyer, and I was in a high-rise in L.A., and I was okay, well, sure. supposed to be there for, like, you know, however many LA hours. L.A. would be tough. L.A. would and be I tough. And I would just look out the window and be like, I don't want to be in here. What am I missing out on? Like, so many things I'm missing out on because I'm just sitting here. And I just hated it. And so I had to, when I did the law again, because I took a little break, it was like, I can't do that. I only, I want to be done by one or two in the afternoon. And that's what I did. And per hour, it was good money. I mean, per year, it wasn't because I took so much time off. I'd take like four weeks vacation. But you can't tell me that if you practice law on your own, I mean, per hour, you're making like two or three or four or five hundred dollars an hour. So, right? I, yeah, I mean, we should talk about a few things. Like, for one thing, I think if you're thinking about going to law school, you should go to law school transparency website and you can find all sorts of things that they didn't used to make public. Um, and, and these people have done great research about all this stuff. So. If you let like let's say you go to the University of Oregon. So again, I highly recommend that you get on here and you look at like a school you could actually get into. Okay. So I went to U of O for law school. You look at U of O. So the employment score, which is graduates with a successful start to a legal career, okay? It's eighty-two percent. It's eighty-two percent. That's just not very high. It isn't? I don't think so. The underemployment score, which is graduates who are not using their law degree, it's 14%. I think that's relatively high. That's almost 15% of your class. Over 8 out of 10 people are doing well, and you're saying Well, I don't know that they're doing well. They got a job that uses their law degree. They got a job that uses their law degree. Sure, okay. I think what we can agree on is that if you went to which U of O is a medium level school. It's uh, actually pretty good because you know what Willamette's uh, employment score is? So it's actually gone up quite a bit. People from Willamette do well. Well, it's gone up quite a bit. So back in, so I was, you probably were too. I was well into practice by now. So 2013, it was like 50%. Yeah. So I mean, only like a half, sure. a little over half got jobs. I think it was like 54. Because now yeah. it's yeah. 78. But still, I'd be looking around being like, okay, 78, I'm a pessimist. I'm going to round down a bit. Okay, so 75. So like 25% of us are not going to get a job or we're going to use our law degree. It just seems like by the time you get there, it seems kind of unthinkable. And Willamette, even though they've lowered the bar exam passage rate, their first time bar pass rate is you're more probably than, than not, but it's 72%. Like, I'm sorry, it should just be higher. It should be higher. Uh, Lewis and Clark's employment score. So again, I'm looking at law school transparency. 2022 graduates, 70%, 70%. Again, first time bar pass rate, 79%. They, so that's about the same. 
Doesn't the Oregon bar passage rate like almost 80%? They just keep lowering it. Um, it used to be semi-difficult. Did it? Yeah. When I took it, it was 70, I think it was 75% passage rate. So um, our exam rate for, wow. Okay, well, that was February. So February is usually somebody who takes it over again. Our February 2023 passage rate was 40%. Whoa. <laughs> Wait, I, know, but, I thought it was 70% here, you know, and California was okay, really low. Okay, but that's February. But you know why that is. That Those are Repeat second. Repeat yeah, there you go. do it. There you go. So July was what you said. July was 74%. Okay. July 2022 was 74%. So if you look at February, you're really looking at people who they didn't pass Multiple the first time, failures. and they're probably not. And your not. chances of passing it the second time go really far down. They go down every time. You, the yeah. thing is, it's not they're, like, stupid. It's just, like... If That's you, right. You either get it or you don't. What? That's right. What that it may exam not is be about. for you. Yeah. It may not be for you. That's exactly right. And so, do you know the guy that started the Oregon Justice Research Center failed the bar exam twice, and he wasn't even a lawyer and isn't a lawyer? Who? Who is this? The guy that heads the Oregon Justice Resource Center. You know what that is, right? The is one it Bob and Singh? Yeah, he never passed the bar, and so somebody made a sued him and then made a bar complaint. Are you serious? he was running that organization and giving legal advice and direction to the attorneys that worked there without um, himself having passed the bar. I thought that was interesting. How do you know about this? This is in the Willamette Week. It like was? How, how I know everything about Oregon, Portland politics. Okay, well, I'm, I'm looking <laughs> him up in the bar. Yeah, so a former employee, not there. I don't, I don't want to like... Um, defame him but what i'm saying is truth because he has a vengeful spirit uh um, oh here we go i wrote him a letter once okay and, this and was, I was like, it's please stop, week please stop representing sophie antifa. did it sophie looked please into it please stop representing antifa mr singh and he threatened to report me to the bar and i was like what about did I, what about what exactly <laughs> like and so i was like dude i don't want to mess with you you seem pretty vindictive but yeah, apparently, because I wrote him a letter. I was like, you guys just live off grants, and you don't know what it's like to be real. I was pissed right when the riots were happening. I was pissed at him. And then the way he answered it, I could tell he ran both that and the ACLU. Um, and uh, even though he was saying he didn't work for the ACLU. But um, he, I didn't realize I'd touched a nerve because he, now I, I just last year realized he had failed the bar twice. And I was like, you guys just live off grants. You never work for a real client. And I realized, oh, that must have really struck him because, you know, he wanted to be a lawyer and um, couldn't do it. And so started this organization and employed lawyers and was giving them legal advice per this accusation. I'm not saying it's true. Okay, so I'm looking at, it's Sophie Peel did it. It's an article in Willamette Week, May 25th, 2023. And it's a, the headline is, Oregon Justice Resource Center sued by former staff attorney who alleges pattern of ethical lapses. A lawsuit filed May 22nd. A lawyer who worked for the Oregon Justice Resource Center alleges that the criminal justice nonprofit fired him for voicing ethical concerns about the organization structure under the leadership of Executive Director Bobbin Singh. Gabriel Newland, who says in the lawsuit he was hired by the OJRC in mid-2021 to run a director program focused on convicts serving life sentences in prison for crimes committed as minors, alleges that the nonprofit regularly engaged in ethical misconduct in a culture of what he calls well-meaning but rogue advocacy. 
Uh, he alleges he witnessed repeated glaring ethical violations during his time, foremost among them Singh advised lawyers working for him on legal strategies despite not being a lawyer himself. I thought he was a lawyer. I did too. Singh attended law school but was never admitted to the Oregon State Bar. According to the lawsuit, Singh once told Newland in a text, I took the bar exam twice in 2013, taking only a couple of weeks to study, nearly passed, didn't. Newland alleges in the filing that such conduct clearly and conceitedly violated ethical rules for years. And these are remarkable, Sophie says, these allegations, because the OJRC is a leading legal advocacy nonprofit for people behind bars, regularly represents the families of people killed by police officers. Uh, Singh co-founded the OJRC in 2011. It provides free legal services to clients. 2021 tax form showed it received grants and contributions that totaled more than $6.4 million. Coming dollars. for sure. Steep increase. I don't know that for sure, but I'm, where else is it coming from? Right, George you're alleging Soros. this. Um, $6.4 million, a steep increase from the prior year's $2.1 million. Singh made 95000 as an executive director in 2021. Forms with the state show. And Newland learned that although co-founder executive director Singh was not a lawyer, he'd been supervising the legal work of other non-lawyer staff members, learned that non-attorney staff were disclosing confidential information without the permission of the client. Filing lays out a series of allegations. Wow, I wonder what, I don't know. What's the bar done with that? What happened with this? Although this is relatively early, um, so this was May 2023, and it takes a while for these things to go through the pipeline. Um, okay, I didn't know that either. That's yeah, I thought found that surprising because I really thought he was a lawyer, and but I just find it interesting also that he wasn't able to pass the bar, which you know, I was you know, it's all about your milieu, right? And so, going to UCLA, we just kind of would laugh at a bar like Oregon because we we're like, obviously, you're gonna pass that, or California bar passage rate was like 42%. Right, it's notoriously low because you don't have to go to law school, as Kim Kardashian knows. Oh, is it? Yeah, you don't have to go to law school. You can just, but but if you don't go to law school, it's much harder. You have to take the baby bar before you take the actual. But she finally passed the baby bar, but you got to take the baby bar before you take the actual bar. Why does she want to be a lawyer? What a I mean, you like it. Because of her dad? I, 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 I don't... Like yeah. Her I mean, dad she's not going to practice. Successful. She's not going to practice. No, but you know what? She feels insecure because she made her money. She became... She... Her well, career was Well, it all started with a sex, sex tape. tape. Right? Whereas her dad was a lawyer. And she's always probably felt insecure about that. I'm guessing. Who I'm, knows what I'm a woman sure like her I'm sure that thinks. that's right. Yeah. But, I'm sure that... But, but she yeah. doesn't need it to make money, obviously. Mm. It's just a, it's a feather in her cap or whatever. Um, it's, it's actually really obnoxious because, um, th- so like removing law school from a barrier to being a lawyer is actually allegedly equitable, right? Like law school is expensive. It's hard to get into. It's, I don't is know. It, I don't know. It's not hard to get into Willamette. No, it's not. But like, if you look at the data, my guess is it's not like a lot of black people probably are not in law school. And I guess if you want to make an anti-racist argument, you would say yeah, that okay. California is very progressive and that you don't have to go to law school. And, and so what's so annoying about her is she has like a billion dollars and she can afford to hire the very, I think she hired two lawyers out of San Francisco, if I remember correctly. But anyway, she can hire like the very best lawyers and tutors that she Plus can learn smart. from. Um, I think she is smart. Uh, I mean, I think people think she's an idiot. I think she is lawyer. smart. 
Her dad was a rock star lawyer, and, and Chris Jenner, her mom, ain't no dummy. I she, tend to agree with you. I mean, some you'd, unless you're like Forrest Gump, you don't just fall into a billion dollars. Um, and maybe that family is. I don't. I don't no, know. But they're smartest tax. Um, but uh, I mean, he got OJ off, or I guess that was Johnny Cochran. So did the jury. I mean, no. I. <laughs> Take that jury to Orange County, and OJ's not getting off. That was that was a payback for the police. And Mark Furman helped get OJ off. Mm. And OJ was a hero. Like he, I mean, it was a, that was a tough case. Anyway, I mean, I remember that. Like OJ was, he was, he was an American hero. He was doing, you know, all the commercials. He was in Naked Gun. Yeah. He was, and he was funny. In he was Gun. funny, and he was cute, and he was. An incredible athlete, yeah, and everybody loved problem, him. But, uh. Yeah, no. Apparently, um, obviously, they they very easy. He very easily lost that civil suit and ended up in jail anyway. But um, that whole thing was like very tragic. But I mean, I guess with the, the 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 so you know though that back in the day, like the whole concept of law school is an American invention which occurred around the same time that they made it so that, you know, made the whole idea of medical school as well. And it which was, is so dumb because, like, of course you need medical school. Like, you need to go through medical school and training and do your, like, your fellowships and your residency to learn how to crack somebody's chest open. All you have to do if you want to practice a certain area of law is read a book. Well, what I mean, exactly. It's not, and it's not putting anyone's need, life in danger. Yeah. Unless there's a death penalty case, I guess. But, um... Yeah, but there are strictures in place for that. Like, you, you, a judge won't even let you do one of those until you've been mentored and sat through, like, a number of oh, those I didn't trials. Know yeah, um, yes. I had no idea. Yeah, but you can't just waltz in and, and do a death, defend a no, death penalty they, case. They will not let you. Oh, really? Yeah, that's like right. Like you're a first year attorney just out of law school. You can't do that. Absolutely. Oh, I not. didn't know that. Yeah, no, that's so like, not going to happen. So, like, they just won't let you represent. That's the client. incompetent. Like when you go in and be like, "Hi, judge, I'm so and so's lawyer." They'll be like, uh, "Like, I see your bar number." Yeah, like, if why you, are you look doing that up this? on YouTube, mm-hmm, there are a ton of basically. Um, you know questions technically i mean technically i think a lot of them are out of the presence of the jury but where they'll do um the judge will do questioning of the lawyer about like how many cases have you tried how many death penalty cases have you tried because they want to make sure they don't get overturned for ineffective assistance of counsel yeah Yeah, because i mean one of the biggest uh appellate errors is especially in those kinds of cases like I mean, the South is notorious for this kind of thing, right? Like drunk lawyers, lawyers sleeping, mm. effect, ineffective assistance of counsel over and over and over again. So you want to make sure your lawyer is competent. But okay, so what? So what I think is so interesting is so the newest, as far as I know, this is the newest salary data for the Oregon State Bar. So it, it was twenty twenty one, and um, new, new to newish lawyers. If you're thirty and under, the median compensation was $75,000. Now, that sounds like a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It used to sound After like going a lot of money. to law school, it used to sound an like undergrad, it's not a lot of money. You can make I'm I'm sorry. I know police officers. Oh, fire, they make good money. I know police officers and firefighters that make more than that. 200. Yeah. 
that make, I mean, you can work overtime. Yeah. Uh, you retire really early. You have a pension. Those people are notorious for having good money. But I mean, like, how much do you make? Like, I don't know. What is it? What is I know, just but a all you need is a heist, All you need is a GED, a PPB to get. I mean, I know, like, yeah, you're not going to be first in line. You also have to be willing to sh- be shot at. Well, that's are true. You? I mean. Um, I mean, of course not. But, like, also, if you're a lawyer in Portland... Um, you're not necessarily expected to show up like you used to be, but you should probably be nearby. Like, you should probably, I mean, who wants to live here? Like, nobody wants to live here. There's a mass doctor act of, act exodus. Is there? You know that. Yes. That's why you cannot find a specialist. So if, you, if anybody goes back and listens to the female MD gets assaulted episode that's Mary yeah, Constantino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so she, like, made international news. I read about that in Asia. I read about your podcast. On Daily Mail? On something. I mean, I remember looking at it in Asia and being like, oh, <laughs> I know her. You should have been <laughs> like, I've been on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, you guys, I've been on this show. Yeah, no, I read that and I was like, oh, my God, I'm reading about this in Bangkok. Okay, love it. So 30 to 39 years. Okay, right. So you're like getting your child or you've had kids or maybe you're thinking about it. Okay, median compensation, $107,000. Again, like, why not be an electrician? Uh, ages 40 to 49, 150 okay. is the median. Ages 50 to 59, 173, 250. So, Don. What you're saying is this you is not are making that much above, a like, lot more money than people 60 years or over who are part of the Oregon State Bar. Their median compensation is 175000 and they by far make the most on this chart, 60 years or older. But how many hours are those people working? You know, because the thing that I found about the law is I never really, you know, made like, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands, but I did do pretty good for how many hours I was working. I think because you, I had my own practice. What this chart has just shown us is that you did good, period. You actually like blew the median salary out of the water, even for people who are like 60. Yeah, but but it's like... And you didn't work really at all. So what that shows is that, hey, if you can get into Williams, you can kind of write your own ticket. But I think like for the rest of us yahoos out there... You're not including yourself. I am, but like think a few (laughs) minutes before you decide to... Are we talking about whether people should go to law school or not? Because I could could expound on that topic. I say no. I know, but we were also talking about like money would be the one reason to do that. And I just think in Oregon, it's really not. I I mean, I think you can do better doing a trade. It depends. You're right. And I know a lot of people... No, that's the median. It's not even the average. I know a lot of people that... The average is worse. That, that didn't do that well or had to go back into firms and, you know, have really struggled. And the thing is, firm life sucks because it's it just does. Well, they don't make that much. Again, it's well, Portland. Like, I know yeah, that I the cost right. of living is high, but the there's a weird, like, stratific. I mean, there's just this weird... Uh, it's, a, it's a compression. There's this weird compression where, like, if you wait tables, yeah, you could make, like, $25 an hour... If you're a lawyer, I know people who bill under a hundred. That is like less than my hairstylist charges. Or a therapist. Way less yeah. than a therapist. 
Way less. But I mean, I think the thing is with the law is, is it really depends on if it's a good fit for you. So if it's a good fit like it is for you and it was not for me. I agree. It's got to be uh, your calling. Yeah, And it, it, it can be very lucrative. the money lucrative. is just not good enough unless it you're can like. Be. unless Yeah, of course it can be. But it can probably can be in any profession. Okay. You're you, Okay. I mean, fair point. I mean, like my 10-year-old's always saying, I'm going to be a singer, like Adele. <laughs> I'm going to be a YouTube star. Yeah, I'm going to be a YouTube star <laughs> like you Justin You're doing Bieber. that too, kind of. But, well, I'm not, I'm too vain to be on YouTube. But she'll be like, I'm going to be on, I'm going to be a YouTube star like Justin Bieber. And I'm like, okay, do you know how many just, I got to sit her down there. You know what I mean? Justin, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Like, it's like, fine. Do you know how many Robert Kardashians there are out there? There's, there was one. There yeah, was one. and you know, honestly, there's a lot of people. So that I, when I was like younger and I worked, um, I kind of like had my, an office and stuff before I just started doing everything online from Mexico. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, oh the, my gosh, the. There are a lot of the people that I worked with weren't doing that well. I mean, that that were sharing offices. I mean, we weren't together in the same exactly. Farm, but they That's were exactly just right. Like in these kind of low end offices next to me. Yep. And they. I know somebody were who rented a broom yeah. closet. <laughs> I'm not even joking. They rented the broom closet where we were subleasing. I, I just kind of feel like if you're running a broom closet, I don't know. I mean, well, just, a lot of these people aren't picking the right cases. And so they'll pick cases that aren't going to make any money or they're going to lose or they're going to be a huge time suck. And they're just there isn't the money just isn't there. Like if you're going to take an hourly client, it better be with a rich person or it better be family law where the husband has money or there's going to be a packet of money delivered to your client at the end as part of the divorce settlement or again it's but a rich where are person. they going to learn don't you have to learn that where are they going to learn all of that you need to make sure there's money there in the case that you take and a lot of the people that i would work next to would take cases that they just like take anything anything because they're you're starving like, how are you going to get paid there's no money that person has no money and, like, how do you think you're going to get paid? Yeah, they can come up with a $2,000 retainer, but what about after that? I think they're just like, I need the 2000 I have to make rent. I have to make my office rent, my home. It's very better call Saul, like, out in the nail salon, basically, right? So it's like, I just have to do it. Um, yeah, and that's then you're not going to make it stay afloat if you're not. Okay, so the median yeah. hours worked per month in Oregon is 170 that's the median. For attorneys? Yeah. Okay. So 170 It's is, a lot more than you were working. Yeah. I guess I was probably working about 80. And that's hours work. That's not billable. So if you're doing defense work and you're billing by the hour, as I still have a billable by the hour practice, I mean- Oh, more, you do? Yeah. I, I still do some- I do business litigation. And when I- oh. And I've never done that on contingency, and I never will. But no. when you're billing by the hour for business litigation, like, a lot of your time spent in the office is not billable. Yeah. I mean, you don't realize that until you're doing billable work that your eight-hour day, billable, it's really five or six. Yeah. 
you're, you the rest of your hours. It. That's like, right. Yeah. The rest of your hours are dealing with your software and dealing with your account. If Some you're on your own, yeah. you're talking to your accountant. You're talking to your bookkeeper. Yeah, you're right. There's a holdup. Or you send an email that was it like, is it technically billable? Yeah, but it didn't really move the case along. Yeah. You're going to let and it go. And you already build a few emails before that. And so you're like, I'm going to build a third email about what nothing happened. Yeah. So like, yeah. So, but also along the lines we were talking about off air, um, hours worked per month by type of employment, <sighs> private practice, the median in Oregon is 170. So I was just talking about Brian with Brian Sanchez this morning, my okay. boxing coach Say more. about, um, we often, and he's such a great guy, like, um, but he's really, you know, he's, he's a Puerto Rican guy. He looks black, I guess he is black. Um, and, um, he's really concerned about the fact that in Portland, you are as a black man, you are more likely to get shot than you are in Baltimore. Um, yeah. on, a, on a, on a sort of a per, and not know, by the police, by the way, yeah. um, not, not by the police. It's it's really dangerous. It is dangerous. Yeah, and um, it, it's 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 a real you know it's a real real difficult issue. And so he's really in tune with that issue. And we often talk about. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I didn't really think you know the guy I spend the most time with is black. So I never really thought of myself as having a lot of black friends, but I've had a few. Um, and they've been pretty good friends. And um, so we talk a lot about uh, the issue of the youth violence here in Portland and the black and brown community. And one of the things that he brings up is um, how a lot of the issues that cause people to be violent are gangs, which of course Joanne Hardesty denied that we had any gangs in Portland. Um, right, that's why we don't have a gang violence We don't have any gangs, force. according to her. Yeah. Uh, but we but we do. And uh, they drive a lot of the violence in the black community, black and brown community. There's also a lot of Latino people involved in this violence. In fact, all the people selling this fentanyl are from Honduras. Um, yeah, that's true in... Just San right Francisco out here. Too. They're about to hit the streets right as we speak. It's getting dark. Yeah, if we, and yeah. now we're down to two yeah. cops in the central precinct that are going to be patrolling. Pro- that's probably right. Two for in the in the night. Yeah. For well, this whole area full of drug dealers. Most people don't cops. understand. Central precinct includes West Hills all the way to Cesar Chavez. That's Laurelhurst. That's Chinatown. It's Old Town. Yeah, it's downtown. And this just hollowed out downtown core. And there's two cops. So anyway, there's a so so the cartels are 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 hiring young Honduran men to sell the fentanyl out here. And um, anyway, so there's a lot of Latinos involved as well. So anyway, one of the issues with why uh, black kids get into the gangs is because. The women in the communities in East and North Portland like a gangster. So unlike what you're saying about people who 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 are looking for somebody like a doctor to provide for them and they're, you know, it, well, in, in, the, in, in way, some I of guess. these communities, the young women, he says, he says, I don't know this by first hand experience. I grew up in Clackamas. 
um, in Seattle, both wealthy neighborhoods, um, that the younger women, before they get their head screwed on straight later, and they change and look for somebody who's like... Who, but we're talking about works. in that community. In that community, the younger women who, who have not grown up enough are looking for a thug. Because in that community, that's who has status. They're looking and for weapons. Thug. Well, and, and also power. just is like a big... And they do have the nice like cars. Like a big macho guy, yeah, too. Sure. Yeah, sure, yeah. But is, like, I think that squares. Does it? Because yeah, because you, it's biological. It's like... Who's the who's the big guy? Who's the biggest? Oh, okay. Who's the toughest? Oh, I see. Right? Who's the who's because gonna he said defend later the when they get when they learn better, then they start looking for somebody who's like got a steady job or whatever. Sure, but, but that involves they, a different. You got to get look. out of that community then. Yeah. You know, it's just funny to me, Portland. It's like it's like the Portlandia people. You know, by and large vote fairly similarly and they all kind of live like in in an area you know you can just sort of picture it and 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 they're all kind of i i was talking to this guy at the gym like like so i go to the gym in the lloyd center when i do go to the gym not my boxing gym but just the regular old gym uh the lloyd athletic club and Occasionally, I'll go there. The Lloyd nice Center is so rough. It's oh so my god! Rough. And I don't even want to go there anymore because I don't want to park there. You know, that's the why second, I stopped taking my kids to ice skating. Second, I'm like, you guys, I love you, but I love me more, and I love yeah, your, I love your safety more. The second day I got back here from Asia, like, and I was all jet lagged, and I left my car parked in the Pearl District. No, Northwest. Sorry, but not too far from the. I'm surprised it wasn't stolen. Well. Both the windshield and the passenger yep, there you side go. window were broken, yep. and it cost me seven hundred dollars, and I had a thousand dollars deductible. And yep. so it was like, wow, welcome back to Portland. Like that's um, all of us. All we yeah. do is replace glass. I mean, there's so much broken glass. I, mean, I what, know what, that should it's be right our, out in that parking that lot. Right there. That should be our like, you know, our our industry. It I should mean, be. Yeah, it should just auto be glass. glass. Auto I glass. know. Portland, Autoglass. The Autoglass Capital. Seattle, Microsoft, and Boeing, Portland, Autoglass. The Autoglass Catalytic (laughs) Converter Capital of the United States. Most people have never even heard of one. Most people have never even heard of a catalytic converter. It's all we can talk about. The amount of vandalism and theft is just unbelievable. I mean, I've had my car stolen twice. I've had... The you know just brutal the windows brutalized I mean it's just so funny I'm you know I've been jumped twice like and it's like this was supposedly like people used to say this was like a little white bread city that you know didn't have the crime or whatever and and it's just funny because yeah maybe we're not but you know what we are getting shot I was looking at the statistics for Sacramento because I had a friend visit from Sacramento Sacramento last year had. 55 murders and we had like 101 and it's the same size Yeah, until city. this year we've Have we lowered this year? Yeah, this so this year seems so far less. so far but you know, it's not over till it's over. There's less. That's good. Maybe maybe you know, yeah, it's What do you think the reason for that is? Do you think that it's because 
I mean, so I have to ask the police. I mean, they know the police know so much more. I don't we, know. We, I don't we know. They would we? know. Yeah, yeah, they would. They would be able to say, "Oh, it's because you know they ha- they get all their briefings and they look at their date. They've got their well, data." I'm glad it's going down. The property crime doesn't seem to be going down though, and it doesn't. And it, if anything, it it only seems like there's more young drug addicts everywhere. Like I there, mean, I because don't see there are, going. there's more coming in every day. Do you think they are coming in? Yes. Yes. Of course. Like, look at the point in time count. Yes. Yeah, and the guy, like the guy who stabbed those two black boys, was like only from. He was from, from Florida, Flagler County. Yeah. That they don't fuck like around there. I mean, why? Why did he leave there? Yeah, because he didn't. He he didn't want to have to follow the law. Well, and I had a. Uh, and he was a fugitive. He was wanted for possession of controlled substance. We dismissed it. Yeah, it seemed like we a just great dismissed guy. it. We were like, put him back out on the streets. Eh. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, now he's from here. So if they did a point in time today, <laughs> he he'd say, here. "Oh, I'm from Multnomah County." Yeah. And then everybody gets to go. Oh, you know, most of them are from here. I have a friend who from college who became a mm, one of those type of lawyers that sues the jail, and in mm, Charleston, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a huge business in South Carolina, mm-hmm. suing the jail. They have definitely, many of his clients have moved to Portland and San Francisco, and the reason that they move is because they think that it's going to be easier, they're going to end up well, in jail right. less. They're yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah. will. And so this kid moved to San Francisco, and then within a year, he was dead. And Yeah. Um, Probably yeah. of a fentanyl overdose. Yeah. Of an overdose. Yeah. So There you go. You know, I, I wonder how, so I'm curious, you meet a lot more people here, and I tend to silo myself but like how do these sort of jessica vega peterson kafuri types how do they address that issue that 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 these people these young kids who at least were alive when they lived in the south or the midwest move here and die because they can get all the drugs that their heart little heart desires and live as depraved of a life as they want and we allow them to do that why do they think that's okay uh so they would say um most of them are from here that's what they would so say. So they would deny even... So they would gaslight, basically, on yeah. what I have just talked about. Yeah, they're still yeah. peddling that. So I'm looking at the point in time count. The 2022 Multnomah County point in time count shows only 22.2% who come here unsheltered. Who come here unsheltered. And I think that's what's key. But but say after they're, a year, they're then local. Right, yeah. right. Who come here unsheltered say they're from here originally. Oh, okay. Oh, after so so it's the ones twenty two percent only twenty percent percent and say that's they're from self-reported. Here so you know most of them are just saying, "Yeah, I'm from here" because they think they need to be from here to get services, which you don't. But like, don't you know? Obviously, don't tell everybody. But I think we advertise ourselves. I mean, all these open air drug markets that we've got everywhere—they're advertising themselves. We are an international spectacle for a reason. All these people know you yes. come here for a soft touch. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like. There is a really great video of um, that w- w- when they were going over the statistics for theft in Multnomah County versus Washington County, and they interviewed Kevin Barton, the DA of Washington County, and I talked to him when he came on here about this. It was so it was just there was a, a video about it, and they were talking about theft prosecutions. And ours are really low. You mean and Multnomah? 
Uh, yeah, in or, Multnomah or County. In, in Multnomah County, they're really, really yeah, low. They are. And in Washington and Clackamas they County, they're relatively high. And Mike Schmidt's argument. Even before Schmidt, they were low, I'm sure. I, I Well, they were, and certainly they were trending down. Um, and so, as. So Mike Schmidt's argument was, well, I don't prosecute cases unless they're good cases. And what does he know having, when has he ever tried a case? <laughs> well, he, he's tried cases. I don't, oh, I don't he know has? that he's, he, I don't, my understanding is I don't know that he's tried serious felonies, but okay. he has tried cases, quote unquote cases. And that, um, but so, so this is from November, 2022, Multnomah County DA prosecutes 46% of misdemeanor theft compared to 93% in Washington County and 84% in Clackamas County. And so I was talking to Kevin about it and asking him about it. And part of what was so funny is that it includes like this video in the, in the news piece. And in the video, there are people like there's a guy in the back of a cop car and there's a couple talking to each other on the jail phone and like, for instance, the guy in the back of the cop car goes, where are you going? And the police officer says, you know, it's not Multnomah. It's either Washington or, or Clackamas. We're going to this jail. And he goes, well, wait a minute. What? And the guy goes, yeah, you messed up, buddy. You screwed you're up. You're over the line. You're in, you're in, <laughs> you're in uh, Clackamas or Washington County. So anyway, I'm going to link to that. You can mess up in Southeast Portland. You know, there's parts of the spring water that are in Clackamas. You can, yeah, you can. And that may have been where they were. But then the other funny thing is it's a woman and a guy talking on a jail phone. And she, I think it's she is in. And she's like, when are you getting me out? And he goes, look, if you were in Multnomah County, you'd be out by now. Already? And she goes, I know, I fucked up, I fucked up. It's Washington County, that's why I can't get out. And it was so funny. And I was telling Kevin Barton about it, and he just started laughing. And he said, love to see it, love to hear about it. But what was so interesting is, so Mike's argument was, well, I don't prosecute cases unless they're good cases. And I love the media in this, the local media in this respect. They followed up. And they were They've like, been doing really good. Yes, they have. And they followed up with him and they were like, fine, how many convictions are you getting? And and Barton and Clackamas County's convictions are almost exactly the same as their prosecutions. Like they're high. They're very high. They almost track perfectly well, with their plea prosecutions. Deal con- is a conviction though, right? And so I think the liberal argument is just to play devil's advocate. Sure. Is um, you know, our system is um, stacks the the pressure on to do a plea deal. And so by the very fact that they're prosecuting, going forward with the charges is going to incentivize the plea deal. This is the liberal argument or the leftist argument, I should say. Um, the the That pressure of the state being on you will cause you to... Um, falsely admit your guilt and take the plea deal. And so what they say is, is that, you know, the, and this is why this reformist is probably make, you know, saying this is because according to that theology, um, you don't want to prosecute a weak case because that's bad for social justice. You're, you're using the power of the state to obtain that conviction rather than a jury. 
You see what I'm saying? Because most of these things are not going to the jury, right? The conviction is obtained through a deal done between the prosecutor yeah, and the defense lawyer. Yeah, that's true for everybody. Right? And yeah. they're saying inherently that's unfair because these people are not getting their... their so we're just not going to prosecute their, people? Their case is not being adjudicated. Rather, it's being done by the pressure of the state onto the I'm just defendant. trying to understand. So what is the ultimate... What is the ultimate policy choice here? We just don't. We just do what Mike does, and we don't prosecute people. Yeah, I mean that's why he's doing it. That's what they just all believe. Just let them go. Because because they because. should be having a trial with a jury, and if they're not, that's not fair. So what is he saying that the people the, the PPB are arresting didn't actually do it? Well, what he would be saying is is that. If the PBB arrested and it was weak evidence, which apparently he's saying because he's saying only half the cases that PPB sends him have, you know, are good enough for him, that the other half are weak evidence. And that's unfair to the defendant because that evidence would not hold up in a jury. And the only reason that Barton is getting a conviction in Clackamas, I don't know what's his name, Foot, like is getting a conviction is because they're illicitly, you know, unfairly, unethically using the power of the state to obtain that conviction that a jury would not return. So now in Clackamas County, it's Sean Wentworth. But oh. I guess the question would be, where is the data on that? I mean, that's just made is up. Data is, I mean, does any of us really revolve around data? Well, my mind does. And that's why I like <laughs> this article. That's why I, and that's why I, that was my first question when Mike said, well, I only prosecute cases with good evidence. And I was like, okay, I want to know how many conviction rates Kevin gets like is Kevin able to actually convict on these yeah but that conviction what I'm telling you you know no, what I you see know what your is that conviction is. is not actually adjudicated conviction it's it's a conviction done between a phone call between the prosecutor and the defense lawyer what's that's weird obtaining is obtaining the conviction so that's not really a, an adjudication you know and that and that that is a system that's Somewhat unique to the United States in the sense, but see, it's not any better in other countries. Like, so I just in, don't think the answer is just don't prosecute. Agreed. Uh, but I'm just telling you the lefty argument because yeah. I'm really up on those lefty arguments. They drive me nuts. You are. Yeah, you are. But, but I, I at least try to understand them. Yeah. And um, that's the argument is that. But those, what happens yeah. is, see, see, and what happens is you look at the crime rate or in, in even per, I think perceived is still important. You look at the crime rate and you look at surveys of retail associations. Like in this KGW article, they did that. It's from, um, it's it's Pat Doris, November 23rd, 2022. And the it's KGW, why is Multnomah County's prosecution rate for petty theft so much lower than neighboring counties, comma, really? And so they did a survey of Organized uh, Retail Crime Association of Oregon. Re- most major retailers in Portland don't bother filing police reports, right. citing a lack of police response because we don't have any cops, yeah. a lack of prosecution, the low level mm-hmm. level of the incidents, or company policy because they don't want to put their employees in danger. Clackamas County District Attorney John Wentworth suggested that the difference in prosecution rates between local counties could have to do with how a DA's office ranks crime, perhaps not always deeming them serious enough to be worth prosecuting. I mean, obviously... Yeah. That's that is like, but yeah, obviously something. And, and Kevin's Kevin Barton says, I can't speak for what's wrong in Multnomah County, and clearly something's wrong there. And he said, Look, we all have the same laws. The same yeah. criminal laws apply everywhere in Oregon. The same rules of evidence yeah. in court apply everywhere in Oregon. 
And what you have sometimes is a difference in philosophy. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. With I leaders. Think is, it's a difference in philosophy. So Mike Schmidt thinks that. And now there, he's going to say crime is down is because the, the retail people are not yeah. calling the police. Well, and see, this is the tail wagging. Yeah, this is what is so frustrating. This is the tail wagging the dog here. And this is why businesses are closing. People are suffering. We're losing a billion dollars a year in, out from people in Multnomah County. Everything's shuttering downtown as it goes down because there is no perception that if you if you stick your neck out there and you're paying these exorbitant taxes that this, these businesses around here are paying mm. and you're getting your windows broken out and you're getting your merchandise. Mm. We have been, I, this office we're sitting in has been broken into four times while we've been here. Yeah. Just while we've been here. I'm, I'm inside, I don't even sitting know. inside of it. I, I, I don't even, I didn't even want to come down here. There's a, there, I, I, I guarantee even, you there's somebody smoking fentanyl in the stairway. I, they're, they're throwing those people out left and right almost I, every single I day. I don't even drive here anymore because I'm like, I, I have a thousand dollar deductible. Like, I know. And so I know. I, you I just, can't afford it. You, I can't afford it. Exactly. And so that, what happens when Mike adopts this philosophy and says, well, that's fine. We just won't prosecute theft. Okay, well then you have thieves running well, around that you you're can't not prosecuting. Even part in the smart park, the municipal parking garages, because it, 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 the same problem happens in there. You have essentially announced that you're not. You're, you're saying it's weak. You're saying it's quote unquote weak evidence, like according to you. Does he really think he's going to win? Uh, well, I mean, he won by a landslide. Seventy-four percent. I, I guess it will be close. I mean, Joanne Hardesty to get forty-five percent. And so did Sarah Ann Arone. So I think there's a 45% block that may just, you know, we may just I have mean, to I, deal with I mean, he won that. by a freaking landslide, 75.6. But that was before the crime wave. Well. I mean, it had started, but, 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 but it, it was before it became widely known. Yeah. In the press. Yeah, that's right. So that's really changed things. I wonder if he's going to be able to. I mean, there's billboards up against him. With his face the on The Schmidt it. Show, yeah. And now they put Jessica Vega-Peterson on well, there. Well, yeah, so... <laughs> She's on there And I'm glad. Now. I'm glad they only put her on there because they were driving around with a truck with all the commissioners and it was really upsetting to me. Because you you like two of them. Yes, and yeah. I kept explaining to them that is not fair. Julie and Sharon are sticking their necks out every day. Yeah, and they are. Yes. A they, voice and of they're reason. working their yeah. butts off. And, and so it, do not put them on that ridiculous truck. And then I was so... <laughs> it's not fair. It's like putting the city council on a truck and driving it around. It's not fair. Renee and Mingus don't deserve the tomatoes. Like that's those should be the tomatoes should be reserved for Rubio, Wheeler, and Ryan. They're driving all this garbage. <laughs> Renee and Mingus have this really great bromance going on where they just like question everybody that comes in and asks for twenty million dollars. They vote no. Oh. Everybody else votes yes. You know what I want to know is is the, exactly are they are is the city council finally starting to look at these nonprofits and what no. if, they, if they're if they're getting any return on, on no. the money that they're getting? No, they're not. And every single time they show up, Renee and Mingus asked that question I've watched it I watch it every time I sit it was just too many at, at City Hall and and I swear to God my head would explode if I had to sit behind that podium and every single time <laughs> I don't know how those men have not had heart attacks <laughs> they ask them they they are specific about their numbers and they and these people are not used to being asked questions no and because I've heard it's Mingus all buddy say, buddy. Oh, yes and I've heard Mingus say over and over again I want you to produce somebody who knows what it is that you do and, what and where kind the of money is going. Getting, what's it getting spent on? That's and exactly what, right. What, and they what can't it's achieving. do it. Well, 
No, because in their mind, I'll tell you that nonprofit and they're mind, shocked. They, I, I, it, the nonprofit mind is, is exactly. They're not. They do not believe that they are fraudsters, even though there arguably are. Uh, they believe that their cause and their approach is the truth, and just like Antifa or Far Left or Oregon Justice Resource Center. It's the truth. And don't ask too many questions because, A, because they can't really answer them. But, B, why question the truth? We all know this is the truth. Why are you bothering us? Like, like this is just, it doesn't matter if we have metrics. It's clear that doing what we're doing is going to help. And does it really matter the details? It's helping. So give us more money because it's helping. And that's their attitude. I mean... They, you know, and so they really can't understand what they think when you're questioning them is that you must not believe in the truth and therefore you have made an error in your ways. And that error could be due to the fact that you're a greedy capitalist or that you're a racist or that you're transphobic or, you know, there's some problem with you that makes you want to question them. When I I testified for the disabled people for the settlement to get the city, I mean, it is not compassion to leave people to rot on the streets. And the whole idea was to get people off of the streets, which, you know, we're still not complying with, and get these sidewalks cleared. And when I testified on behalf of the disabled people, and frankly, on behalf of the homeless people, because the argument is they shouldn't be on the street in the first place, um, Mingus was called a race traitor. Which, by, by a, a white, white lady. Of course. She probably comments on the Willamette Week comments that I read. She's always calling people a race traitor in her being white. And But, if, if, if I mean, it, there's many people in this city that are that way. I don't know what gives you, the a white person, the ability, the, the privilege, whatever you want to call it, to determine what the interests of... Usually the black community, I guess, is who's being discussed. But it's sometimes vague. The the, the you know they aren't too particular. Like the the brown people, the black people, they they even lump the Asian people in there. The natives. I mean, it doesn't. I don't know. They they're not. Many of these people are racist themselves. Uh, but anyway, so well, obviously, they, if they, they're calling they are like, you're a race, a race traitor. traitor. Well, no, that's a really common idea. I mean, on, on Twitter I don't know about common, but sure, I'm for an is. online on, person. Online leftist Portland sure, Twitter. Sure. It's really common yes. that, that he is supposedly not, he is, a, he, he is um, you know, but these are the same people. I remember the one time I was actually made a Twitter account, I got into a debate with a, with a leftist Twitter account about, they did not actually know that Joanne Hardesty only had 6% support east of the 205. <laughs> they thought that was where she had most of her support. See, they're very ignorant. These same people, I was talking to the, a guy at the gym who was had moved from Phoenix to Portland like two years ago, had a, had a bull ring in his nose um, and tattoos and moved here because he didn't like the politics in Arizona and where he's from and, you know, loved Portland and blah, 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 is a, is a, is a uh, what do you call it, a, a rainbow fairy kind of guy, like one of the sort of crunchier types of gay guys, um, hippie-ish. And I was talking about this stuff with him and he goes, well, well, 
you know, like the the police murder um, murder like well, I murder most of the black people that get murdered in the country, and I'm like, really, more than other black people? Like, like, and and it's like when you look at the statistics. I mean, this is what these people think. They think that police cause the most number of violent deaths in the black com- community, and it's like, no, they cause maybe at most one percent of the murder deaths of the black. The community. Washington Post has a database. Yeah. Anybody can go to it. Yeah, but see, Antifa and the far left think that police are the ones that. I mean, they they don't trade it's, in facts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most of Portland wasn't trading in facts in 2020. And so when they call Mingus a race trader, they believe that what's good for black people is X. And Mingus doesn't do that. And they don't really know any black people. And they don't know much about anything at all because usually they're not very well educated. And they don't, I don't know, they just don't, they don't work that much. And they don't support families. And they they just don't do the type of things that may cause you to have to maintain a rational portion of your thinking in order to, 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 you know, to function like they don't do that. So you normally, if you know, if you're going to, uh, advance in a career to the point where you, you are supporting yourself and maybe other people, you have to have a certain core part of your thinking that's rational. Like, Otherwise, you're not going to get promoted. You're not, nobody's going to pay you that much, you know. It, it, and and so many of these people are not doing that, right? They are not. That's a good they, point. Yeah, and so they don't. They aren't developing that rationality. They don't need to. And so you hear them talking about all this kind of stuff that just has no basis in reality. And that's who our far left voters are a lot of times, or they're trading just in emotions and wanting to be nice and. It's not about facts. So you've got a large percentage of this people in the city who think that police murder more black people than other black people do. There's, and there's many are, people who believe that. What What's so crazy, too, is like these are not nice people. These are violent people. These are white people who call black people race traitors. These are white people who dictate what black people are supposed to think. These are white people who are supposed to applaud black people for getting on city council who talk nothing about getting black people into leadership. And then when they're in there and they don't agree with everything these white people agree with, they call them a race traitor. Well, they, the, that is racism. These white people want... That is racism to want, think that you, they have to think a certain way. They want a black person who agrees with them. And so if That's the black right. person doesn't it's agree with them... It's not about race. They, it, it isn't. But it isn't. They, they, they call themselves anti-racist... They're anti-racist until the black person thinks differently about an issue than they do. Yeah. And then, and they also, I mean, they're... Then suddenly they turn into racists. They, the anti-racist thing is really interesting because it's, 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 it isn't something that 100% of non-white people agree with. It's, it's something that a certain portion of the non-white population agrees with and a certain portion a certain number of influential people who are black have put out there but it is by no means a consensus view that that is what it would even mean to be anti-racist like that is a marxist philosophy 
that has been recast in racial terms. And by all means, not all black people agree with that. And so I don't, you know, it's, it, 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 it named itself just like anti-fascism. It named itself in a way to try to make it very difficult to disagree without, you know, they, they did this little word trick, right? So, oh, well, you don't agree with anti-fascism, then you must be That's exactly right. It was right? very so, smart. Yeah. And so they had this thing, but really all it is, is it's just a name for a particular political viewpoint. Uh, and... and it's not anything more than that, really. It's it 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 and 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 I don't even know. I mean, I just I, just, I want to play this into yeah. the microphone because it's Mingus asking reimagine Oregon. It's just it's, oh, I'm gonna play oh, it. It's just so good. Reimagine. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm just gonna play it. Here we go. Mr. Mundy, I appreciate you being here today. I was wondering if you would be available to uh, answer a couple questions for me. Sure, I'll answer what I can, and some of it might have to go to the director of Reimagine, but that's fine. Sure. Can you tell me why Reimagine Oregon over four years has not been able to actually get these programs into the community? Um, for four years, Reimagine Oregon? I'm not sure that time frame is accurate, but even if it is, only until very recently that we had a full-time director forming things, creating the strategy, the structure, the infrastructure, the team, that also takes time. I really appreciate that perspective. Mr. Mundy, I appreciate I mean, that, now that's just one. I this, really appreciate that perspective. Here's the, here's the next portion. Here's the next portion. This thing went on for hours. Just the, the dodging. Can you re remind this council and the people of Portland uh, what Reimagine Oregon plans to do with, I believe this is now $6 million, and what services are going to be provided? The details of that I will I will leave to the director of Reimagine, who I believe is scheduled to speak. Um, can you re remind this council and the people of Portland uh, what Reimagine Oregon plans to do with, I believe this is now $6 I million, mean, and what services are going to what services are going to be provided? I'm going to leave that up to somebody else. Okay, so here's question three. Shouldn't everyone in the organization know what services they're providing? I mean, if you work there. I mean, even if you, I mean, as long as you're not the, like, say you're, you're not cleaning the bathroom, but you're doing something else at the they organization. They prepared to wouldn't answer. Wouldn't you know what the organization is doing? They weren't prepared to answer this question. I know, they're not prepared for anything. The, ne the next question, so, so question number one. So here's what happened. So... I just feel like the leadership of people like Sharon Myron in the county, Julia Broom Edwards in the county, Renee and Mingus in the city, Renee Gonzalez and Mingus Maps, those, that has been a game changer. And I think it's inspiring all these demands for accountability with this money whooshing out the door while homelessness and Huge amount. drugs, yes, continue to Hundreds skyrocket. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, and we, we can't seem to bridge, no matter how hard we try, we can't seem to attract any kind of racial diversity whatsoever to this city and we can't seem to bridge that divide like my girlfriend from georgia noticed people in portland think black people are poor and she's like in georgia a black person could be an anesthesiologist yeah or they could Atlanta, be yeah. yeah or she's like or they could be waiting tables but a lot of the time they live in like buckhead like they're yeah they're your doctor I mean, they're just interwoven yeah. in the fabric of society. Yeah. She's like, in Portland, everybody who sees a black person assumes that they're a professional athlete or they're poor. 
it's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it's because, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, obviously the South has their history of slavery, but we have our own history of like redlining and Vanport and flooding and, and, you know, black people coming back into Portland and I mean, like us, we go excluding them forever. I mean, we, we uh, clearly we have this bizarrely northern yet racist history of keeping them out and we've just created this economic disparity and we have yet to fix it despite the fact that we're pouring millions and millions and millions into these BIPOC quote unquote nonprofits. So then Mingus Maps, who is black, then so he's asking these unprecedented questions of this of this racial affinity they're nonprofit. not really that they're the questions aren't that difficult they're not and it, <laughs> it culminates in a vote ultimately spoiler alert it culminates in a vote by maps and gonzalez to return the money to the city that initially dan ryan voted with them on and then he went back on it and so they ultimately lost it and the nonprofit kept the money and that's part of why this was so bold and as mingus says like in four years why haven't you spent six million dollars i got a better question a better thing to you repeat on that he asked the guy, what is it that you guys do? Right. And the guy said, I'm going to have to defer that question. I don't know the answer. This is the guy that you're works here for to, the place. You're here to testify? You answer what they do. You're here to testify for city council to explain to them why you deserve $6 million and you can't say what you do? Yeah. I mean, that's all that he asked him is what do you do? What are? I mean, he said, what are you going to do with the money? I mean, but that's what do you do? Yeah. What, are, what, what is your organization do? Yeah. Like, specifically, the guy won't answer? I mean, that's not a tough question. It's not like saying, you know, hey, I looked on page 47 of your, you know, your report to us or your audit, and I'm wondering where this $347 went. No. It's like, what do you guys do with the money that we give you? What do you do with it? And he can't answer that question. I mean, can, yeah, did, the question and, was, yeah. can you remind this council and the people of Portland what Reimagine Oregon plans to do with the now six million dollars and what services are you going to provide? And Essentially, the answer is, what do you do? The details of that I'm going to leave to the director who's scheduled to speak. The, the question is, what do you do? Uh, and what does your organization do? So the next question, <laughs> yeah, the next question is. This is cannabis tax money, and it comes Which with restrictions. Which is also a huge amount of money. Yeah, and it comes with restrictions. And do you know what those restrictions are? So let's listen to that. I mean, Mingus just did such a phenomenal job. He should have been a trial lawyer. Listen mm-hmm. to this. Dollars. Um, there are some spending constraints uh, um, that come at, that come with these these dollars. Are you aware of what those spending constraints are? My understanding, which could be quite wrong, is that they had to adhere to what was originally proposed by Reimagine Oregon, the uses of the funds. Now, beyond that, I don't have I don't have the detailed particulars of that. Um, okay, I, I, um, it's my understanding that there are a range of other restraints on these dollars which are um, much more specific than that. So maybe I will save some of those questions for uh, someone who is prepared to answer, um, <laughs> number one, what the program does and how, um, how, the fund, how the programming you suggest relates to the constraints that are actually attached to these dollars. So Tough three, questions. three what, times. What do you do? And... What 
What do you, are you aware of how the city wanted you to spend the money that we gave you? Three separate times. Well, who was the guy that was on, that was uh, testifying? Well, it was various people, but in a couple of the clips, it was, um, and he's very well respected in the community, and I'm sure he's sure, a wonderful person, Marcus Mundy. The problem is, is that nobody at that organization knows anything about what they were doing. Clearly, it took them four years. They still haven't. The best part doors. is the best part is they brought in somebody from the a woman from the ACLU oh God. to talk the about ACLU why they should Oregon keep is the money. So bad. And the and Minga specifically. Was it Sandy Chung? I don't know. That? I mean, I see her on Twitter. I don't know her. I just see her Twitter posts. It may have been. Because she's been around town. She she was working at University of Portland. It may have been, but I just remember she says, well, I just learned about this recently and I don't quite know. And then what happens Why is- would someone from ACLU know what reimagine unless, like I believe, they're all in bed together? Because I wrote a letter to um, Bob and Singh and I mm, wrote yeah, a, you said a letter that. to ACLU at the same time. And, and when, when Bob and Singh replied to me, he was re- referring to things that was in my letter to the ACLU. So what I took from that was is that, and I knew that he used to head the Oregon ACLU. I think that they all are in this very tight clique. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and they all like yeah, their ideologies are aligned, and, and they all but I get they it. also are all just like all in each other's business. Like they all. There's like a little click of hyper leftist activist people who have, and you know, another one on Twitter was uh, this woman who used to say all kinds of anti cop stuff during the riots about she was a family law attorney, supposedly. I'm not sure how that practice went. There were a lot of lawyers. But she ended up, um, now she heads the Sisters of the Road. And I'm like, uh, did you, you like got that? Cush nonprofit job that mm, I don't know, like if your practice wasn't going well or what, but um, they get these nonprofit jobs. You know what I mean? Yes. And and and, and the, then these nonprofits like <laughs> are, are are run by all these activists who have the, these really extreme agendas, like. The one that heads the Sisters of the Road, I mean, it was like posting all these things that were, I found to be extreme. In oh, their I, I think what they're posting is totally Abolitionist kind of thing, like get rid of yes. police entirely. And I don't want to defame her. I'm not specifically remembering no. any particular tweet. But what I'm saying is, is that the I see a lot of these nonprofits get populated of people that I first noticed on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. making really activist sort of things, and and then, and then they get they get into these positions at these nonprofits, and 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 judging by like what I noticed about the Oregon Justice Resource Center and the ACLU being really tight, I, I and sharing leadership, like I just wonder if there's like you know they I don't know, I just feel like they kind of have it all on lock, and. You know, hopefully with Mingus Maps and and Renee Gonzalez that we're going to start to demand. Not with Charter. That's why Charter was passed. Charter was passed to undermine 
the majority. It really was. It was a way to yeah. stop democracy. Sure, because the <laughs> thing, look, if, yeah. if democracy works, just keep electing people. Why do we have to do single transferable vote? Is that demo- is that democracy? Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like so. So their their whole thing was like. And, and it's really hard with this charter thing because as we were texting before, there's literally no one that I've found that can explain it, the, how the voting is going to work. Especially the including commissioners. Including me. I mean, and I usually try to think that I can explain a lot of things, but I can't explain it. And Is it Kat Mahoney? Yes. She's, 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 she's quite... Uh, Quite the strong... Yeah, because so I'm looking at a Sisters of the Road tweet from February of this year. Public safety, racial discrimination concerns. So they're retweeting articles about how, like, Shot Spotter, which is a police alert tool, is, you know, they're retweeting articles about how that... There are questions about whether That's things like that are racist. That's one of the least racism. extreme things. I mean... I no, mean, that is not extreme because they're just her retweeting Her personal Twitter media. account at least used to say she was in favor of abolishing the police. I don't know what it... I think so. I, I don't know that for sure. But I know that many of her posts previously were, were very anti-police. And, um, and also just often really impractical and 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 then I, I just think it's interesting that you know she heads up this this says that she's also in so i'm looking at aclu of oregon 2020 magazine cat mahoney aclu of oregon legal observer i mean yeah they do all overlap don't they yeah they really do and they i know i know they all know each other really well you know who also overlaps verde yeah the Charter Commission, City Club, Apano, what all does, those racial what do, okay, affinity. So, you know, the funny thing about the Coalition of Communities of Color. Coalitions of Communities and, of Color, they overlap. And Apano. What I find really funny about those is both having lived in Lentz, which is, has a lot of Asian people and being half Asian. Um, <clears throat> I don't quite get why the government would fund these organizations ostensibly because they speak for this constituency when you look at the voting patterns of the Asian community and they voted for Renee Gonzalez and they want and, and on, on balance want nothing to do with the type of politics being put out there by Apano and like and, and yeah. you, look, you know, I know, how does that They're work? They're conservative people in general. I yeah. Mean, if you look at voting patterns. Yeah. And, and then, so how does the organization. I mean, not mega, but I mean, conservative leaning they're, they're, uh, they're Democrats Democrat, or centrists. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, so how does. Not, not far left. So how do these organizations that purport to speak for these, these somewhat conservative ethnic groups end up so like abolitionist which used to mean getting rid of slavery and yeah now, now it means, means getting, getting rid, rid of, of police. police which is absurd what society in the world like has no police like and that was you know i don't understand how these how the government can fund these organizations because of course these all these organizations would not exist without government funding or george soros and and i'm sorry i'm not being anti-semitic no it's he, yeah I, he funds a lot of the the like the Oregon Justice Resource Center I'm yep. guessing is funded by him. And Yeah, I um, don't I don't know for sure, but I know I he contributed either, to Schmidt's campaign. And yeah, and there's just a, they, he, a lot of money he's goes behind out. A, you know, Hundreds drug policy alliance yeah. which was 110. I mean all these Trojan and, and it, horses. It, 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 it can seem anti-Semitic, but I am trust me I'm not anti-Semitic and I I just 
don't I just like to know what's going on and what I think is trust me I'm not anti-semitic I'm not <laughs> trust me I, know I, know how, not. I don't it know how to guarantee funny. that but it, like, it just sounded funny uh, I know you're not uh and it was like it how do these the city and the the government funds these organizations that are purportedly supposed to speak for this minority group when that minority group by and large disagrees with that plat the the, the platform that, that those groups are putting out. It just seems to me like, what is that if it's not corruption? I mean, supposedly the government is funding these organizations so that this community group gets a voice. But this community group has it's very outsized. little connection with this nonprofit that is run by a small clique of people. Yeah, they all have C4 arms. And, and also these people have more in common with each other, whatever group it is. So like Apano, um, uh, yeah, Coalition of yeah. Communities of Color, mm-hmm. Sisters of the Road, Sarah Ayrenaron Street Trust, Oregon Walks, <laughs> all of these organizations, which one's Asian, one are for bicyclists, one are for whatever, they all have, you can see on Twitter, they all are run by the same little friend group. Yeah. Like, not the Asians who are living in East Portland, but rather the, 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 the politics of these groups are determined not by the Asians that are living in East Portland, but rather by Kat Mahoney and Sarah Anarone and their whole little friend group. So, like, uh, you know what I mean? Those are the people, they all have the same politics and they all populated themselves in all the nonprofits and they put forth their vision, not supposedly what their constituents say. So it's right. just like, so yeah. So if you look at data, the data says black people feel over-policed, but they want police. Yeah. They don't, don't want to abolish. abolish it. Thank right. you. They don't want to abolish police. And now we know that, and now we're all backtracking and trying to fund the gosh darn police. So I'm looking at Kat Mahoney's Twitter. Attorney and executive director of Sisters of the Road and her pinned tweet from 9-30-2020 says, A riot may be temporary violence, quick and dirty, but it could become a revolution and through, or excuse me, though slow and long-lasting when it's fully mature, a revolution is irrefutable change. So she's basically uh, defending the well, riots when she was, okay, so I used to be compulsively following Twitter during the riots, and as I said the last time I was on here, I went down to the riots to look at them and see what was going on a number of times. And when I seem to remember when I was looking at all these Twitter accounts that she was like down there. You know what I mean? Like this woman was really hardcore. And I just think it's interesting that she then becomes the head of a major nonprofit that's receiving all this government money. I don't know if it's government. I mean, I, I assume it is. It may be private, but like, it, well, like, who are we? Like, that's the whole problem with Portland is it's like these nonprofits. Well, it's get, not transparent. And like Sharon yeah. Myron said, we need some kind of dashboard that any taxpayer can go to at any given time. And Julia Brim Edwards supports this, too. You can just go to it at any, any given time and find out where your money's going. You can click on, you know, Sisters of the Road. How much did they get from the city? How much did they get from the county? You can click on this button for, for this organization. How much did they get from the city? How much did they get? You should be able to do that with literally every, you should be able to trace every dollar that leaves your pocket. Yeah, and you should at also, any given time. You, the city should also be at nonprofits that they are giving money to. They need to have a 
regularized and robust auditing system. So what I mean by regularized is this, there's a structure and a timeline and it's a regular auditing that's done. So not just whenever that, you know, KTU or Channel 8, like, you know, does an article, uh, does a story on them and, and then they have to respond. But every year, every two years or whatever, they are looking at the nonprofit and they are, and the nonprofit has had to provide them with a report that discusses how they spent their money. And look, I'm not looking for statistical metrics, but a demonstration of the effect that that money has had on the community. And that yes, that's a some regularized data and some metrics, a, like Mingus a, was saying, and it's a, a regularized thing. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that and it's not specifically. Just, it's not just when some news organization hey says, "What the hell is this thing doing?" But every year or every other year or whatever it is, and make it function like our tax dollars are actually important, rather than just this thing that you know. I don't know. I just feel like it's just things have really gotten out of hand in the city in terms of in terms of how they spend their money. And, well, and we don't know where any of it is going. And there's anything. billions flying out the door. We don't know anything. And we can't seem to make a dent in homelessness, no, drug addiction, garbage. And, 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 and so it's like and then eventually mental health. You know, it's just it's it starts to feel really corrupt. And yeah, whether, you know, whether it sure does. Yeah. It sure does. And then something like single transferable vote gets slotted in to well, the new charter. The, and okay, so what is that? What nobody, is it? nobody can explain it, but basically what happens is at least the part that I don't like is. I don't like any of it. Well, so like, okay, so they made a district, right? And it's going to return three people. Now, one of those people is going to be somebody who got the most votes. And then the other two people are going to be people who got less votes. So in what would be a traditional election, the losers. And they're going to also get onto the council and have the same vote, you know, one out of 12. Yeah, that's exactly as right. As the person who won, who got the most votes. So the person who got the most votes gets the same vote as the person who got the third most votes. Yeah. Does that seem right? Look. I guess you could say the top three people win. So so they're already at the top and those people get the... But to me, it just seems like somebody who got, like, way less votes gets the same vote as somebody who won. You know? I mean... I know. I yeah. think that was the point. That is the point. So they wanted... That's why people who've run for city council and didn't win designed it. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. They actually Got did trounced. design it. Got trounced. Yeah, and they were they like, well, I, do you really think they purposefully were like, let's let's?" Yeah, they weren't, like, they weren't like, let's count the votes. I mean, they're not like, oh, let's just see who gets the most votes. <laughs> so, like, they made a system where the person who gets in third... I think it's anti-democratic. Third, well, because, look, before, you know... The third place person doesn't win. And then now the third place person does win and gets the same vote as the first place person. And nobody can explain or seems to understand just how the second and third place person are going to be determined. When you read the articles that have been published about this thing, it's like it's still you read it and you're like, wait, so 
I get how the first place person wins because they got the most votes. I get that part. And then it's like the second and third. So each ballot, like say you voted for the first place person and then, you know, you, you're supposedly ranking like the 30 people who are running, right? Do you think the average, like a voter in who just moved to town like two years ago uh, is going to know all 30 people running? I mean, this is ridiculous, right? And so they're supposed to rank like 30 people. I know. It's, it's, we already have voter fatigue. These people cannot read. That's why so they're, they're calling they're gonna, me asking who they should vote for. They can't even read the darn voters guide. Go through these things and rank 30 people. And and who and, and it's like, is somebody really going to read 30 no. bios and rank them all? And then, so like, and then they're going to rank these people. And then, so somehow, so like, the winner I part, I get, or the, they're not a winner because they have the same votes as the losers uh, in the council. But then the second and third people, like, so if you've put a ballot on where you ranked the winner first, and then you ranked some other people second and third, you're votes get like shifted over that's where i get lost like how do they get shifted over so like your your second and third and fourth and fifth choices get pooled with other people's first cho- i mean it's a mess who I know. understands it no one and how so then how are they going to i mean is it going to be that it ends up in court uh, because, like, how can you have a system that nobody understands? So... How do you implement it? I don't know. I know when Richard Cheverton came on, he talked about how he talked to the guy in elections, and the guy in elections said he cannot put together software, voting software, for our current city council charter voting methods because they don't understand it. <laughs> they don't know how to put the peak software Portland. together. That is peak Portland. So these so so these people came up with this thing that is not like nobody actually is able to understand it. So how are we going to run this election? Like I don't even I think that's the only way we're going to be able to get rid of this is if like there's a practical there's literally I mean they've already set up all these practical roadblocks and the way they got around it was doing commission after commission after commission after so so now the question is going to be can they put the software together to do it and frankly I think people are so flummoxed by how the whole thing works we won't even know i mean let's say some the guy puts it together i mean i think i think richard said it is a guy let's say he puts it together I, none of us will know if it's the actual thing i know and then not how do you make the sure he did, the, did an okay we job won't. doing that i mean not unless you're a software engineer it's like yeah but if the but see, it's like in alaska you, did you see that thing where they press the button and all the stuff starts rolling this, and it's just like you, you, it may it may be right it may not nobody knows and then a name pops up like, yeah. <laughs> it's like I hunger games even, or something i mean i don't even I just can't, you know, I can't even with this whole thing. I, like, can't, I, even. Know, like, I can't even. <laughs> I, mean, I, I also can't even. <laughs> How are you supposed to? I don't even. And then the, I don't just, I don't know. I don't know. This going to be, it's going to, how is this even going to go down? When is this election? 24 or 25? Um, well, so for city council, I mean, let's the, look the it first time they use the the this this system that has been gifted to us by 
Yes. Are, uh, such that wonderful people, Trojan yeah. horse of a gift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's 24, I think. I'm reading this Willamette Week article right now from Sophie Peel, August 25th, 2023, and it says, like somebody the far left can't stand, uh, Bali, Sandy Bali, uh, who's run for... That's the I th- pharmacist? I think, so, yeah, city council before he's been on, like, Lars Larson and stuff. And I don't I don't know that he's far right, but he's certainly uh, probably right as center. Um, says that he made a bid for Ryan's seat last year and got under 8% of the vote. I mean... Yeah, I just don't see a conservative person winning in that district. But what I do... I don't know, maybe with single transferable I think it's vote. Really, but did we <laughs> even on. know what that means? I mean, No, we don't the, know. <laughs> no some, one it's knows. Some words, like, it's some words. And then there's the 25% thing. But what does that mean? Like, So you have to get 25% what? Of the first votes or the transferred votes? I mean, there's multiple votes. There's... That you make 30 votes on each ballot, potentially, if there's 30 people running. So you have to get 25% of which vote? The f- the number one votes or the any kind of votes? And I mean, I don't, I don't know. And, and, and I don't, and the other thing is, you know, what I think is an interesting constitutional question is if you have a ballot measure that is so clearly impossible to understand, I know. And and they're like, well, they voted for what? When I talk to to (laughs) people who voted for it, they say, I voted for it because I thought city council would just fix it. And Renee tried (laughs) Tried. to. And Mingus tried to, and they were shut down on me. I mean, I don't, I don't, actually, I think, maybe it was, I don't know. Anyway, some of them tried to, and it was shut down immediately. And all those people, the commissioners, all those people showed up and said they were thwarting democracy, even though, in my opinion, this charter ballot measure thwarts democracy because it's it's not the person who gets the most votes. It's some bizarre, complicated system that nobody can explain why somebody won. (laughs) That is not democracy. (laughs) I, I, it's 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 a rigged system that that but is, don't you think it's perfect for the for the for the millennials and it's perfect in, for us the millennials it's in perfect charge for of, this city of, I know of, because it's like in millennial land you know everybody what? wins the loser wins also and so this system is great for that because it's like well you got second place you got third place it, I think you also win I think what's gonna happen I think what's gonna happen is we're gonna see bad results. And it's going to be like 110. There's going to be a lot of remorse. And at some point, there is going to be a movement to do a, results, a ballot measure to now, get rid of it. bad results, like what? I mean, how are they even going to determine who is on the council? Bad, bad results like things like that or like running into software, like all these things that we're, we haven't yet anticipated. Like, for instance, when they started forming all the commissions, I was getting all these questions like, why are they doing this? I didn't vote for this. I mean, yeah, I voted for Charter. I didn't vote for all these commissions. And I'm like, yes, you did. You voted for because that. Because it wasn't spelled out in the yeah. ba- It literally said, we're not going to deal with these loose ends. We'll deal with all that later. And that was, if you Portland listen also. to the show at all, what was so weird is I'm like, do you actually listen to the show? Because we had people on here for hours explaining to you why you shouldn't vote for that. And yet I'm hearing from you people who did, and I'm just trying to understand, did you just miss those? Did you miss the one where Vidium was on? Did you miss the one where Sonia was on? If you're talking about people who are Portland voters, they don't... They The way that they vote 
is not about specifics or pathways like it's about justice it's about it's about it's about feelings yeah. it's about it's about vibes it's about it's about I I want this to be good. I mean, I'm starting yeah. to wonder if most people from <laughs> Portland, because most people who listen to the show are from Portland, and I'm starting to wonder if most of them who listen to it listen to it for, like, the human stories element, which is a big part of it, which is something that I love about background. And, you know, we were talking about your really traumatic um, family life, and I think they maybe they're listening to it for that, and they're not listening to it for any sort of civic education. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I don't even like, I just, I spend a lot of my time kind of just imagining what people are thinking because I don't. I mean, I, and so, yeah, I just don't. And, 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 and I do hear sometimes of the people that sort of fit with what I'm imagining, like at the gym, when I, when I talk to the radical fairies in the, the, the gay community, that a lot of the gays, have this really sort of yeah I've heard about it far left or whatever and 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 when I sort of drill down my on former it, priest's husband was part of this fairy religion and, stuff and I, I drill down on it and I'm like and I'm I like it it doesn't really get me anywhere because I'm like I just don't see a lot of practicality in the way you're thinking about these things like it, it, it we're it, the least yeah. practical city in america <laughs> like, i think just... that's clear our freak flag is flown <laughs> for years now is the least practical city and I in think america we're seeing it i mean this is what happens when you really um don't uh think about the consequences and 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 think a couple steps ahead of what you're doing you end up with uh uh a lot of these um, unintended consequences of like well-meaning things that look and sound great in a two or three sentence summary of what you're doing and which is all that's on the ballot and you know beyond that you know nothing's fleshed out and then you vote for it and then you see that people really struggle to implement it because there is no guidelines and and and, and there's nothing no framework I think that is a perfect way to wrap up. Okay. Thank you, Don. Sure. I'm so glad that you contacted me because I had no idea you were back. And so how? when do you go back to India? Uh, I will go back um, as soon as I finish. Um, well, I got to, you know, get my house, uh, mom's house ready to rent out. So I've been delaying a lot of things I need to do on that. But once I do that and figure out... The paperwork to bring my dog to India, um, then I will go. So I'm hoping by the end of the year. Okay, well, that sounds like a long way. So come back. <laughs> come back on when when we're in full-blown, you know, election mode and everybody's figuring out if they qualify for the small donor matching and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> come back before you head back out. Okay. This thank, is fun. Thank you. It's all always right. fun. All right. Bye.